have. I got a story for you. One decision, just one. Posting, publishing, liking, retweeting, just one thing could mean a missed opportunity for any number of corporate jobs, interviews, opportunities. The worst part? You won't even know why. That would make using social media pretty tough. But that is why my guest today is trying to be Internet Anonymous. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is the cute, quaint, corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merch you had no idea existed because you've never trekked all the way to the northwestern part of the internet. But that's where you're going to find AndrePsyche.com. And now you're wondering, well, what is on AndrePsyche.com? What will I discover? You my faithful listener, could find literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, just put out a couple new songs, poetry, or any custom gift that your soul desires. Do you have a great idea for something, for someone you love, and just clunky with your fingers like me, completely inartistic? Andre is neither of those things. You know what he is? A freelance creator extraordinaire. All you have to do is message him. He'll make your gift for you. Go to AndrePsyche.com. See what speaks to you, because each and every item has a story behind it. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We're also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Have you done your good deed of the day? Of course you have. Are you looking to do another? This is quick. It's not going to take much time. Right now, two seconds. Push the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. And while you're at it, please rate and review the pod. Also, if you haven't already, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Search us up. It's getting, the number two, no, the letter U, pod. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast is downloaded in over 20 different countries. I think it's like 27, 28. Shout out New Zealand and the Czech. The Czech Republic's blowing our shit up, downloading like crazy. I think it's like eight. (laughs) So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and we would love to partner with you. And now... Getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know YV. And YV is our first, what was I supposed to call it again? <laughs> I think you said internet alias. Internet alias. No, man, you coined it. I loved it. Our first internet alias guest, um, YV, man. Thanks for uh, scheduling some time out of your day to uh let everybody get to know you man i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me 
So we were chatting a little bit before and it's super interesting. And I think it's, I don't know if it's woke-ish or wokey or however you want to put it, but it's something that younger people are really dealing with. And the reason you want to go with YV is because you're a younger person trying to establish a career and you don't want what has been tweeted or said through you in the court of World Wide Web to be held against you during job applications. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've been thinking about it. I don't even really say anything controversial, but I think it's just you really kind of don't. Like healthy for my mental health to just kind of separate what I say like on the internet and on Twitter and in my personal life and what I say, how I present myself like in a work environment. Right. Yeah. So do you think that they're completely separate? And I, I guess I'm almost taking that from like a mental health standpoint where are, are you being fake in one sense and then that could lead to like some unhappiness with the job or like feeling you can't be you at a workplace well you know that's a good point i i guess i think a better way to frame it is in terms of just kind of like organizing things like i'm putting i'm putting like my twitter and things i do like in my free time in like one drawer and then i'm putting like my work life in the other drawer right um and you know of course there are other drawers too like my deepest darkest secrets or like you know things that i just don't tell people out of the <laughs> blue until they become good friends or you know whatever but i mean i know what you mean i'm i try to be authentic like I, i'm all about authenticity especially at the workplace but just for example like if i'm applying for a job i'm gonna lie my ass off Everyone does because it's a competition <laughs> to get a job. You know? if, if you're just going to be honest with them, like like lie in what way short. though? And I'm I'm trying to remember back like when I was a waiter. Um, I I think we ca called it like a personal care attendant instead of a waiter. If like one person was going for um some sort of like nursing job, <laughs> and they're like, oh, I have three years of experience um helping clients with their personal needs and uh yeah you know food and <laughs> so then they're like, oh, you're right up our alley. Exactly. Is that kind of stuff you're talking about, like resume lying kind of a stuff, or you're just gonna yeah, wake up that exactly you graduated from Harvard, about. or just like uh. If you get, I never worked at Walmart personally, but I know if you apply for a job at Walmart, they'll ask you like, you know, why do you want a job here? And that's the, that's the key to start making up some like BS about, oh, I'm passionate about customer service or something. But the reality of for a lot of people is, is like, look, I need money, dude. Like yeah. I'm a drug addict. Like not, I'm not saying all Walmart employees are drug addicts, but <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do. Like, yeah. People just need a job. Like. So I got my um, doctorate degree in education and oh. every, yeah. And every um, class you had to start by going, why are you getting your doctorate? So there's 20 of us in the cohort and um, some people, you know, I want to make a change. I have a vision for leadership. I want to be a role model to my child. And then they would get to me and um, I'm a big Randy Moss fan. And he'd be like, so Sean, why, why are you getting your doctorate? And I'd go, straight cash money, homie. Straight cash money. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'd probably say a similar thing. Right? But it, it, it rings so much more authentic and people would be like, no, you know, you just want to better yourself. Or care. I'm like, no, dude. Like if I wasn't getting paid more for doing this, this doctorate, I, I wouldn't be putting myself through this. It, it's a means to an end of having a more comfortable living and having more opportunity in life. And uh, it's funny, man. You really think most 
everyone has to lie on these job app. Like it's so competitive out there that they kind of have to, um, is hoard themselves too bad of a word, too strong of an adjective. No, I would agree with you. Man, that's crazy. I mean, it's just it's just like a competitive environment, you know. So it's like if one person starts lying, then everyone kind of has to. And you don't even have to like lie necessarily. You're just stretching the truth. Right? <laughs> stretching. You know, it's just or like I've actually googled your uh, like company's mission statement, so I know like the buzzwords to mention that just give me a better yeah. chance on the rubric that you're um scoring me on. Yeah, exactly. Right? Man, that's exactly. so twisted. Now, do you think that's for just a corporate businesses or you think that's kind of like all businesses? Well, I feel like startups and like um, more like boots on the ground type places have like more varying cultures, right? at least more potential for like variance in culture. But when you start working in corporate or even when you start like if you own a corporation, you kind of, I think, naturally have to be more restrictive just for like PR purposes. Right. And it's all about, you know, they're just protecting their neck too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Liability protection for sure. It's, it seems like that's like a focus of businesses now is how to limit liability. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I'm no expert in this. I'm not a CEO or anything. (laughs) I I can understand why, you know, what name insert company name here is like, wants to know your entire background or whatever and will search up your Facebook and stuff. Yeah, and like I totally get it. So then are those people like who get those jobs? So you put in YV, you put in your application and then it goes to some intern and some intern just spends three hours Googling and searching and going through your threads. Like, do you picture it that way? Or how do you think this happens? Do, do they like run you through a background check and it just comes up like, ding, he's clean. No, no, no racial slurs in his Twitter. He's fine. <laughs> well, I would make an assumption. I would assume that they probably would check out my Facebook and see if I've posted any pictures in blackface or see if I've said anything offensive or controversial. Um, regarding my Twitter, I've heard, I've, I, I've, I've heard in web development. I'm sure this is applicable to other industries, but I've heard in web development specifically that if you show like inclinations towards entrepreneurship it'll be it's like a a bad thing for trying to get a job really people see that you're trying to start your own company not even immediately just down the line just that you have like ownership mentality opposed to like i want to become the you know i just want to work my way up the rat race ladder kind of thing um you know so that's that's another reason i'm kind of holding my twitter away because i don't want these people to know what i'm doing now, but they don't, they don't need to know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Cause I mean, that does, that's a little bit of a like infringement on your rights to not be an employee. Right. Um, so NBA is going into this bubble and one of their real fears, they're supposed to be wearing a ring, which gives all sorts of like health benefits. And I believe there was a golfer who wore a whoop, um, wristband and he noticed his sleep was off. So he went and got tested for Corona, like the amount of breaths per minute. And then all of a sudden he's like, testing positive for Corona. So it is very preventative, but at the same time, like if you're an employee, you have a right to be an individual outside of that company and them holding that against you. And not just in your case, but I guess speaking generalities, like that's a very interesting legal thought exercise, you know, like how, or man, like that, it, it seems very biased, right? Like almost illegal. 
I, I can see that. Um, for example, uh, Michigan, they recently just passed a controversial law to um, allow people to voluntarily get this like microchip inserted into their arm. It's supposed to like measure health things and it will automatically detect if you have COVID among other like health things. But I'm not like a neck. I'm not like too much of a, I'm not like a crazy person, but. Oh, it's the mark of the beast. Just so you know. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Like it's, it's such a biblical like representation. Five the years. The they're the only ones who will be able to get food. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, it, it'll be like, this is how it starts. You know, it starts being voluntary. And then it'll start being like mandatory. Yeah. Well, the NBA guys are like, and it almost goes into your boat. They're like, so if you discover like a heart issue with me, or if I'm on antidepressant medication that you don't need to know about, it's not affecting my job. You've already said I'm good at my job. You've hired me to do this job for you. Now you get this additional information. How does that limit my future earnings? And it's such a weird thing Oh man! to me that like youngins, like you are now thinking that way with your social media as well. Like it's super interesting to me that it's this um, like duality of paradigms of I want to partake in this thing, but at the same time I have to separate myself from this thing because it could limit my future opportunities. Like Jesus, man, what a spider web of uh, anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think of that. Talk about the NBA, like they'll start like cutting people's pay rates or people will be like low. It'll be harder to trade them because they have yeah, like, right? indications of like a heart attack. If that information gets out there and dude, like the technology now is getting so serious. It's like, do you realize you land with 38% more force on your left knee? And since you're a left foot jumper, your risk of tearing an ACL is up 38%. Therefore we'd like to give you a, liability clause where we only guarantee 30% of your salary. Like that's how deep this science is going. And, but dude, billion dollar industry. So they have the resources to do it. Right. So, yeah, but, no, that's a really good point. But, that's really some crazy shit. Dude, taking me back to you though, th this is where I was wondering, like who goes, is it a person that goes through your social media or do you think, are there companies out there that have an algorithm? Where like whatever, they insert your Twitter handle into blank company. Let's call them background check for employment, right? So they hire background check for employment. They put in your handle and that background check for employment has an algorithm where they just scan through for pictures or keywords that like score you as a one to 10 as a hiring risk. Am, am I just going too far out there on my thoughts? Or do no, you think not at all. I mean, I don't know if that exists, but if it doesn't, that's a great company idea for a tech, for a tech startup. Right? Like it has to, right? Like as easy as it is to Google something and facial recognition, images have to be way easier than facial recognition to trace, right? Like, yeah, you know, there's, there's, um, there's AI out there that can like detect if a cat's in a picture, for example. So right. I don't think, I don't think it would be too difficult to do that. Like, you know, just have something like scan your, all your social medias, look up your name, see if there's any like bigotry associated with it. Yeah. Right. It would also scan pictures, especially if I don't know if that's a thing, whatever. but it should be if it isn't dude. It like, I don't, I'm not going to say it should be, but it would be a good company. Oh, so you don't think it should be. 
Well, I don't know. I think the word should is kind of, um, it's kind of a weird term because I'm more of just a, like, what can you do about it kind of thing? Like I could, I could go on in my head or in this conversation for days on end talking about how I think the world should be. But the reality of it is that this is the, like, this is the world that we live in. This is the environment that we're born into. You know, what can we do is to like leverage our situation, you know? There are things that are like that should happen that can realistically be accomplished, but there are also things that just will can they're just not worth pursuing, but they should exist too. Oh, so you don't see it as like the thought exercise; you almost see it as impractical. Well, I don't know. I think it is a good thought exercise. And I'm not trying to box you in, man. Don't worry. Like I'm not. I'm not setting you up or anything. It's just it's interesting. I never thought about the word should. As and you didn't say it's like a waste of time, but as in, is it worth our time to go with the shoulds? That's that's kind of interesting. I mean, right? Like I, I've just kind of I don't know. I spent a lot of years in my youth just thinking about like what should happen and the way the world should be, and this shouldn't be like this, like blah blah blah, or it's yeah. not. And that's kind of so it leads you to down the path of like this isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. And it can make you feel like, you know, like a victim or victimized because the, your reality isn't what it should be. Right. But, you know, that kind of, in my opinion, limits you of your like real potential because a lot of people have a lot more control than they'd be willing to admit. You know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but I hope that makes no, sense. No, I don't. I don't think you are. And that's another little philosophical. And it's and it, it's sometimes it's kind of cool to like almost like get into some philosophical shit. Almost like you're talking to the drunk guy at the bar. And I feel like I'm the old drunk guy at the bar, and you're the young. And that's I love, like I love came, talking to drunk people, <laughs> dude. The the filters are just off on them, right? Like they'll and most of the time they just say outlandish things. But for this, I'm I'm like. I've been having that debate too because Black Lives Matter. Um, it, it's it's like what, how much control do you have over your situations and systematic oppression? Right, like the whole raise yourself up by your bootstraps, and then there's the white elitist mentality, the the white privilege of you don't know what fear is. And it's like, well, maybe if you just worked harder and acted right and showed up and you get into all these things and it's a weird rainbow or a weird um, scale of, do you have more control? Could choices just make things better versus fighting the system, fighting and dealing with what you can do on a day by day, hour by hour decision-making basis? Like it's an interesting conversation to think about. You know, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't really think control is like the right is the right word. It's more like influence. Yeah. Because I mean, no one has control over their lives, you know, shit happens, like you know, whatever. Like I could I could get hit by a car and die when I'm driving. And there's Yeah, company I could fire you because you posted something on Twitter. You know, you can roll an ankle, you can get a flat tire, it can make you be late. Hundred percent. I I like influence is a better word. Yeah, exactly. You know, but you can also, there is a lot of control that you do have that results in influence. Like you have complete control more or less over who your friends are, 
how you take care of your body. Um, Huge one right there, man. You know, how you like, spend a lot, a lot of times. There's a very few things that are like very important that people act. I, there's this like new age, like thought wisdom. that's just kind of like, it's genetic. And they say that about like a lot of things. Like, I don't know. I think the most obvious example of this is like obesity. Like people saying like, well, it's just poor metabolism, but it's like, <laughs> I have a thyroid issue. Do you? Right. You, you sure? You sure it's not your snack closet? You sure it's not all that right. processed food <laughs> that you get on the cheap or, instead of worrying about like, getting like oranges every day and apples and strawberries? Exactly. Like, do you remember that? I was like, I was a kid at the time, but do you remember that huge like diet phase like ten years ago or something? Are uh, you talking about like Adkins? There were like a million. Of Dude, them. there Adkins there still are. Them, like keto, keto just, came back yeah. like hell. Like that was a year or two ago. Keto's becoming like really popular. Yeah, it's, like it's really popular in like San Francisco, for example. Right, things like that. I don't know. My whole thing is that everyone's body's different. You just gotta listen to your body. And the best diet out there is just healthy eating and exercise. Less processed, which and isn't a diet. You yeah, know what I mean? no, dude, no. Um, it, it's so it, it's funny, man, because it's so it's such a hard thing for me to understand. Um, as far as obese people making poor choices, and I guess at the end of the day, you would have the right to, but then it's like, why do you want to, what happened? My mind always goes to like, what happened where you being unhealthy is your normal, like not feeling good, not having energy, not being mobile, not sleeping well. Why is that so appealing to you? And why does that not make you stop eating, throw in whatever, Oreos, Doritos, like like eight ounces of ice cream a night? Like why? It, it's super, I, I, like did, did they miss something in life where like the experience of going for a walk or just having energy to bounce on a trampoline <laughs> was like not enough fun to make you realize like I shouldn't eat 4,000 calories a day? You know, that's a good point. Um, that's a really, I think that's a really tricky cookie to crack and try to figure out why, <laughs> um, it's just kind of, a, it's kind of complicated, you know, but yeah, I, well, I wonder how much like goes into environment versus goes into personal choice. Now there is something to be right. said about like cities where like the food and if you're making less money, man, McDonald's is so, so fucking affordable, Right. And kids can grow up eating that stuff and kids burn all sorts of energy. And all of a sudden you leave high school and you no longer work out. You, you no longer play on a sports team. You no longer go play with your friends outside. You're, you're working a job that might be very sedentary. And then you come home and you start drinking and then it repeats itself. Yeah, exactly. And then you start gaining a shit ton of weight. And that's why obesity yeah. is like, and it's a pandemic in America. Oh, dude, it's huge. And like, it, it's funny because I guess some people can say like you're body shaming, but really you're just advocating for a healthier, longer life that's more productive. And I like, is it wrong to say like that would be an absolute truth? Like it's very hard for obese people to have a long productive life without health issues. It screws your body up, man. Your body's not meant to pump and circulate blood and your organs cannot work when they're constricted by like pounds and pounds of blubber. 
Right. No, I completely They're agree. They're just not efficient. Um, your, your body's not efficient. Especially, yeah, no, exactly. Especially regarding obesity, it's like, there's, I think there's a difference between like, quote unquote, fat, like fat shaming or being like, I guess you could say like fat phobic and just advocating for like, this is a serious problem, you know? Yeah. Um, like, like if I, like, I don't know, I, I'm all about health. I'm not the, I'm not the healthiest, I don't have the healthiest body. Like I'm not, my body is no, nowhere near the condition that I would like it to be. You know, it's a process, but. Well, you probably tweet I, too much, I, man. Like get, get off the tweeter. Okay. Maybe, maybe a little bit. I just need to start working <laughs> out consistently again. I, I haven't done that for a few, few years, but, uh, like if I, if I run into an obese person in public or if I have a, I have friends that are fat or whatever, like I don't care, you know, like I'm not going to like shame them. It's like you do what you, what you want to do, but you know, I mean, it's, I think it goes without saying that it's like, you have a problem, which is like obesity. It's a serious problem, you know? Like, can it not be in the same category as smoking? Oh, I would put it right in the same. Do you know category. what I'm saying? Like, dude, if you're drinking two liters of soda a day, man, that that's toxic to your body, right? And like, so so you that's wonder worse than cigarettes. <laughs> I would. I don't know. I don't know if we're the medical people, though. I am a doctor to make that statement. But like, it, it's got to be somewhere up there, man. The way that you see these videos of sodas, like eating nails, right? Like you put a nail in so, or you can like, um, God, what, what's that stuff that gets on your car battery cables, the corrosion, and you can pour soda yeah. on it. And it's almost like lime away and it just eats and it cleans it up. And you're like, what, why are we consuming this? What would be the point? I totally, I totally know what you mean. Um, yeah, but it's funny how it hasn't happened. Videos on the internet of people like, you know, like uh, like McFlurries never melt from McDonald's, for example. Do you they not? Put it, yeah, what? you can put it on your bedside. It will never melt. Stop, like, dude. It may melt a little bit, but it's not ice cream. Like, yeah, it's it not like a blizzard. Like Dairy Queen, yeah. blizzards melt right away. Pure. Yeah, because it's, it's ice cream. Yeah. It melts. But flurries don't melt. Or I've seen videos online of people putting like, taking Big Macs and just like leaving them for like, years, in their right? backyard or whatever. Yeah. And the ants, the ants avoid it. The Dude, ants walk around it. They don't touch it. Like, I don't even think mold grows on it, man. Yeah. No molds. It's like really trippy. Think about it's that. Crazy. Think about that. No mold grows on it. And, and I don't it, know how it passed the FDA. Dude, lobbyists, I mean, I do know because they have big money in their yeah. corporate, but it's like, exactly. Man, God, dude, that's, it's so funny. So, and when people come on the pod, like if I have someone from India, I've had people from Hawaii, I've had people from Canada, like all over the world, I always like turn them into, um, spokespeople for whatever it is that we're talking about. Cause I'll ask them to generalize. Cause I love just generalizing as a thought process. And I'm going to ask you to generalize as a young 20 year old and be like, how much awareness is there out there? growing up with all this information. Like you've quoted videos. Like I didn't get to grow up seeing these videos. I had to see a video in health class if I was going to see it, you know, you can just be going down some rabbit hole, killing a couple hours on your phone and you come across all sorts of information. So you have to be so much more hyper aware of how bad stuff can be. Right. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think that's one of the best things about like living in this day and age is it's just so much information, like so much access to information. But at the same time, the majority of people spend their time on the internet not doing it. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like literally you have access to the largest database of information. You can find the answer to any question, almost every question yeah. in under 10 seconds. Dude, it's a library. You are. It's a library card with no late charges, with no check right. back in date. It's amazing. Right. And like, when's the last time you opened the dictionary? Dude, you mean dictionary.com? You mean Wikipedia? No, yeah, yes. Every day. Yes, that's exactly right. Every day, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like yeah, it, most people, like, you know, they spend all this time like on TikTok or like watching YouTube or just like, I don't know, like even on Twitter, like I'm my like feed on Twitter is more or less pretty cool. But I, I forget sometimes that every pretty much everywhere else on Twitter is just like just as bad as like TikTok and Snapchat. It's just a bunch of people like posting pictures and just distracting themselves, you know, from like their real problems and like real issues. It just says a lot about society in my opinion. Like I won't, I don't even know if society is the right word. I just like think it's human behavior. You know, it's like entertainment will always be like more abundant than information, the market. So, dude. And where my mind went with that was the rats in a cage. So I was a little bit, not much of, but a little bit of a smashing pumpkins fan. Are you uh, familiar with Smashing Pumpkins? Oh, yeah. I love Smashing there Pumpkins. There it goes. So you, you hit a Tribe Called Quest um, <laughs> reference. I don't think we were recording, but at that time. So I was hoping you would get it. So classic line, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. So talking about entertainment, like those rats, when they do all these um, experiments, like with Coke or whatever, right? And like, do you want regular water or do you want the water with cocaine in it? And the rats will just like constantly go to that cocaine and they're just constantly seeking that stimulation. Right. And it's like, I got to get it. Got to get it. Got to get it. That's what phones turn into for so many people, man. And it's scary. And I'm a teacher again. So it's scary as a teacher to think of these kids that early on get those addictive mindsets and dude, that gets like hardwired into your brain and that's how you're living man right i mean i think it's even more prevalent for like the real youth of our real youth right now because you know like i'm 22 but whenever i go to like family events and my six to like 10 year old cousins they are they all the time they're just sitting in front of their ipad oh dude it's it's doing bullshit you know just like playing games and stuff well they're not even real games right like like be honest are they games like so Back in the day for me, Mortal Kombat, you actually had to have like combinations. You actually had to have like thoughtful interactions with hand-eye coordinations, I feel. The games I see now, like motherfuckers are just like, and it's like, well, what are you doing? Well, I just push basically like the A button and that's all I do. And it's like, and well, then watch like pretty colors. Yeah. yeah like well, what's the strategy? Like entertainment thing. More yeah. of like a TV show than it is like an interactive experience. Right? Like what's the puzzle you're solving? Right? Like, like Mega Man, like you're shooting, you're trying to figure out what's the right path. Like, how do I defeat this thing? Like, what are you doing, man? And I don't know, maybe I'm old, maybe it's old man, get off my lawn kind of a thing, like walking uphill both ways to school. But I don't feel like the games are mentally stimulating like they originally were. Like Tetris. I feel like Tetris was a godsend for engineers. 
I totally get that. No, absolutely. Um, that's a really, that's another really good like thing to bring up. Uh, th- those games are still out there. It's just a niche market. I right. I think especially like I really resonate with what you were talking about with gaming because I mean obviously. I've been playing video games since I was, like, very young. Like, literally since I was, like, two years old, I was playing Crash Bandicoot. But, um... <laughs> I never got into that. <laughs> I, I love platformers like that. That's still, like, such a good game. But, uh, I feel like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong or if any any people listening out there know more about the gaming industry than I do. But I feel like it started out being more like that, being more, like, it's challenging and interactive experience and and you'll ne- you're never going to end it right you're never going to win yeah. games were like a lot more difficult in the past and they're just getting like easier and easier and it's just becoming more of like a holding your hand kind of experience it's a slaughter fest a, man like oh my god this is difficult like this is a real challenge but it's fun so or even just like plot you know story line. oh dude 100 percent. and well so it's two things there and this is where i noticed it first was with the teenage mutant ninja turtles game when in the arcade and it was uh, the simpsons did it too and bart was really cool on his skateboard but like it was nothing but a quarter grab because there was no skill to it you just walked forward and you just kept tapping a assault button so we'll call it a where you would punch, kick, you, you use your nunchucks, you, whatever, your bow, <laughs> and you're just tap, 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 going through like hundreds of ninjas, almost like zombie type stuff. And then occasionally you would jump, but it wasn't like any real coordination or skill. And maybe I was like too bad at it, but I felt like that was the tipping point when arcades started getting big and people realized like you could just pour money into this thing and it was all about keeping those quarters coming in versus like the challenge of figuring something out and how to defeat it yeah no exactly um i've been saying exactly a lot (laughs) (laughs) dude i've noticed that about myself it's funny when i listen to myself over these pods i you you do you you start to become a little self-conscious about your own catchphrases and it's fine man don't sweat it it's (laughs) do you uh you listen to tim ferris you know tim ferris is i do not so he's a uh, he he wrote this book. Uh, let me let me Google this really quick. I don't remember. He's Tim- like a serial entrepreneur, and he's famous for writing this. Oh yeah, it's called the Four Hour Work Week. It's oh. like a bestseller. Um, I actually never read it myself, but mm. I've, it sounds kind of like a stupid title. But when you read it, it's like I've heard nothing but great things about it from like really reputable people. But, I remember this one, I was listening to this one podcast episode by him and he was talking about, it was like one of his first interviews and he was like somewhat bad at podcasting or whatever. And he posted it and he was like really anxious. I don't remember who he was interviewing, but it was like some like really like famous and successful, like PhD, like Nobel prize, like level type person. Or yeah. Whatever. Somebody where um, you're just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like really anxious about it. Right. And then. After the after it was over, he was really happy with how it went, and he thought it was cool. And then he posted on you know where you listen to podcasts. And then as soon as he posted it on Twitter, he saw everyone in the comments just saying HMM dot 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 HMM dot dot dot. Oh, and like, what does this mean? Like I don't get it. And that and then he listened back to the podcast, and like every time the interviewee would say something, he would just be like, hmm, right. 
right? So like for me, it's right. Like I'll say right or I'll interject and I'll be like, you're fucking kidding me. I I was editing one pod today and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Sean, can you stop cursing? Like every time they make a good point, you just want to fucking throw a fuck in there. And it's it's something where you do become self-aware of yourself the more you actually – so you can think you do something in your mind, but then when you hear or when you see what happened, you're like, oh, that is not how I remember it. Yeah, you know, I can totally see that. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a good experience, though. Like, I I am getting a slightly self-conscious about what I'm saying and stuff, but not in a <laughs> bad way. It's in a way of, like, just helping me being more conscientious about how I, how I communicate. Exactly, how you express yourself. And it's part of, I guess, a little bit of my non-fear, and maybe at some point, because I know our time's limited, we should actually get to know a little bit of you, <laughs> YV. Um, but like, so teaching, I think I've been teaching almost 15 years now. It's something where you, the kids mock you if you have it, like whatever that hum, that hum is that I know there was one teacher, uh, who would always say, you know, and kids started charting it in a class and they would have like a tally list and they, you would hear them talking in the hallway before they went in and they were like, so we're going to get 40, you knows today. Nah, nah, man, we're going to get 55. We ain't watching no video, you know? And then all of a sudden the kids are like making stupid bets because it's what kids do. And when you hear that kind of criticism and feedback of you as a teacher, it really makes you a little more aware of trying to be vocal with words and not fillers, you know, trying to make points, not using so many um, pronouns, using specific language, not so much cliche, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. I've noticed that like when I was in high school too. Um, this is somewhat unrelated, but I've always now please do correct me if I'm wrong cuz you are obviously are are a teacher, but an expert teacher, thought, expert. Yeah, exactly, doctor. <laughs> I've always thought, you know, when I really graduating high school, coming into college thinking like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? I was considering teaching cuz like I like I like um vocalizing my thoughts and explaining ideas and concepts is something I've just kind of always been good at and enjoy doing. That's a good base. And by the way, you sound like an old head, dude. Like the way you talk, you do not, you're not a 22 year old in your soul. You're not 22. Well, thanks. Thanks, man. It's a, it's got its pros and cons. Oh, I bet. I bet. (laughs) I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I bet like sometimes it's gotta be like in some weird ass social circles. You have to be thinking like, how come I'm not just more of a frat boy? (laughs) <laughs> no shade on frat boys, but like, how come I can't no, I just totally, be that guy I totally and let go? I, I had that exact experience actually. I so when I got when I got into college, um, I didn't really know shit about college. I was really like indecisive about it before I did it, and then I eventually just kind of decided, like, you know what, I'm gonna do it. Like after having like a really um, like heartfelt conversation with my mom about it. And when I went to college, like, I didn't know anything about it, but I was like, well, if I'm going to do college, I'm going to do college, right? And my, in my mind, <laughs> what college was. I was about to say, what like, does that mean? I'm going to do college. Frat life and, like, you know, doing, like, everything I've seen in the movies, you know, just, like, partying and right. Greek life sort of thing. But I didn't really understand what, like, you know, what being in a frat really was like until I actually, like, pledged for a frat. And, oh, you did? Yes, I did. It's go looking back on it like i'm glad i did it it was but it's like totally not like up my alley you know 
and now because like I know no I know more about it I would never do that like if I went back you know like no disrespect like I know there's tons of good people in Greek life it's just not my like not my cup of tea yeah well, but I, I did I did try it out I did try it out man, so so two things number one it, it sucks with time constraints on these kind of pods when you're talking to strangers because it takes a while for people to feel comfortable to talk and start sharing about themselves, which I think is completely normal because who's going to really open up about themselves on a record, right? Number two, it's interesting when people say things and they're like, no disrespect to frat boys, Greek boys, whatever. But at the same time, it's like, dude, if it's not me, it's not me. Like, I'm not throwing shade on you. I'm just simply speaking about the type of person I am. Like, maybe I like chocolate ice cream. I don't have to say, oh, apologies to vanilla and strawberry for not liking you, but I'm a chocolate man. You know, like it's just one of those things where it's it's interesting to me to hear people almost worry, like like to preemptively unoffend folks when they say stuff. Yeah, you know, um, I do just me thinking out loud, man. I don't even know where I was going with that point. No, um, I get you. I think it's <laughs> just just my thoughts on that comment regarding like offense, offending people. I don't know. I'm just kind of speaking from the point of like I literally know people in frats that are my friends. <laughs> there are gotcha. there are good people I know that are in Greece. Yeah, that, dude, for especially sure. Especially especially in finance. Like oh. I, since, I'm, since I've been getting more into finance, it's like finance is like super popular in Greek life. It's more or less, by my understanding, more or less mandatory if you decide to go the academic route is to like do some business college or anything like that because those it, people like that's just. You know, is it for the net- kind of market? Like, yeah, I was gonna say, is it for the networking so that you have yeah, this absolutely. experience? It's getting a job, right? It's, and then- that's something that like Greek life's really good about, really good for, is that people can literally just hook you up with a job because you're, you know, uh, Sigma Chi or whatever, you know. And is it's that like, like, like a for? And I'm sorry, man, I don't mean to, um, something that does suck about this podcast is we don't get to see each other. So, um, I have the propensity to interrupt, um, when I have a thought, oh, go for it. <laughs> but so I talk to you about some thoughts anyway. So no, 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 not at all, man. Um, but I'm just wondering, like getting the job thing. So seniors pledging freshmen, you're developing this like gap in years. So then they get into a market and then all of a sudden they're working at a corporation and you're just reaching out blast emailing things like how. I guess the social, is social hookup the wrong word? The social connection for that. Because if you're all, like it doesn't really happen with your freshman class that you're going in, right? It has to be the seniors or graduates. Or am I, I've, I've never been a frat guy, so I'm trying to understand it. You know, I don't know either. I actually have never been a frat guy either. I didn't make it past like the pledging. Stop. Um, you didn't go past the pledge? No, because they can kick you out. Like that's that's the point of pledging. Yeah, that's dude. How did like... you not make it? So, <laughs> so that that's a funny story, actually. <laughs> uh, Good. So literally the the way like the way that it works, or at least the way that it worked at the college I went to, is that like there's I think it's called bid week, where what happens is that all of these frats for like one week, they'll have these like open barbecues that, and there's like no alcohol or anything like that. Cause it's like super mandated by like the college and yeah, it's like know, governed cause people been dying, dude. Right. Like, right. And it's like passing you know, out frats don't drink. drink, right? Like that's the image they put across that. It's all about um, drinking, giving back to the community and 
you know, philanthropy and that sort of thing. So they just kind of have to appear like that. But at the same time, you go there and talk to people and different frats have different personalities and different communities and, you know, whatever. So basically what you do is you go to all the different frats and talk to people and, you know, see if they're, if you vibe with those people, see if they vibe with you, blah, blah, blah. And that's like starting out Monday. And then when it comes to like Thursday, Thursday is invite only. So if they talk to you and, you know, you put your information down, if, you know, whichever place you go to, if they talk to you, they think you're cool, they will, like, give you, like, an invite to come to the invite-only party on Thursday. And then that's kind of, like, the last uh, round of casting or whatever. Right. And then if they see that you're cool, they'll be like, hey, come downstairs into the basement. And then well, – so what dude, actually happened with me is there Hold on, wait, weird, YV, like, YV. Before you get to why you got kicked out, because this is – this is kind of interesting to me, man. Um, it's cool. It's interesting for sure. Well, the, pro- the yeah, the process for, yeah. Right. So they're out there and I don't know if you know this, do frats need to hit a certain quota or are they looking for a particular brand? Are you paying like dues or something that helps them out? Yeah, or do they need do bodies? You have to pay monthly. The place that I was at, it was like 500 per month, but I got kicked out within the first week, so I never had to pay anything. But, but yeah, um, five hundred per month—that was the one for me. Gosh, um, and is that for like the room and board? Is that yeah, like room well, board? Well, no, it's not even room and board. It's pretty much just paying for the parties for all the beer and stuff. Oh shit! And also okay. just paying to the organization because you know they do whatever. The gotcha. You know. All right. So then, what the one you um actually? How many did you apply to? So I went to like, you know, four or five, uh, just because like, you know, you just talk to people and see who's cool or see if, you know, you guys get along or whatever. Cause like I said, again, different places have different personalities. Like you right. can kind of go somewhere and see like, oh, okay, this is the frat full of a bunch of dudes that like lifting weights and doing cocaine and like driving like nice cars around or whatever. <laughs> this isn't really my like group. So I'm going to go to the other place and then, you know, they're more like, you know, whatever. And, and you take your key on down like, the road. Dirty, but in like a good way, you know, they're just yeah. more like, we just want to play video games kind of thing or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, I went to about four or five, but throughout the week it kind of narrowed down to about two and then, one was a smaller frat, and these those guys I actually got along with, uh, but I just basically said fuck it at the last minute after they invited me and went to the bigger frat that seemed to be more of the quote unquote college experience, like full, of, you know, partying and like girls and really hot girls and beer and shit. You know what I mean? And um, are you going that route because of movies? Because of media? Well, maybe. Or you just go in that uh, route because you're 19 and you're like, they look very attractive at this moment. <laughs> well, that, but I think mainly just because it was just ignorance. Like, I really didn't know anything about college. Like, talking to people, after that, I feel like other people that I talked to had a more of a general understanding of, like, just what, like, frat life is like, even, you know, just without, you know, trying it out. Like, it seemed to be more like common knowledge or just more of like the gist of what it's like it seemed to just be more like generally subconsciously understood by people, but it wasn't by me. You know, I just didn't get it. I just so, didn't know. So I was like, was, if I'm going to go to college, I'm going to do the college experience. So that's 
that, that would be the, the bigger the frat. Environment I was around, you know what I mean? What was the understanding that they had a frat life that you didn't? Well, so frats, um, they present themselves like on social media or when they're like marketing or whatever, is that like, it's all about, it's not about partying. It's about brotherhood. It's about philanthropy. It's about blah, 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 you know, but the reality of it is, is that it's really just all about partying, you know, then <laughs> they're not going to say that because of like, well, they can't. It's liability. It goes back to our corporation stuff, man. Liability. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, They're not going to say that, but that's what it is. And I actually, I bought into it when I was looking into it. I was thinking like, okay, so I'm in college and then, then I saw all the whatever and it's like, wait, so this is all about like philanthropy? Like they, they actually do do like charity events and stuff. Like they do do that, which is cool, you know? So I was like, wow, it's all about philanthropy. Like that's really awesome. And brotherhood, like. Yeah, I'd like to make some friends, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So I bought into it. Um, and then I found out, you know, sometime later that it was pretty much just all bullshit. And it's, it is about, you know, networking. And a lot of that stuff is true. But at the end of the day, it's really just all about getting fucked up and partying. <laughs> so um, you chose the big frat and you're a week in so that you move in during pledge week. No, you don't have to move in. There are actually plenty of uh, plenty of brothers in the fraternity that don't live there. It's really it's not like a mandatory thing. Okay. It's just like a thing that you can do. But gotcha. And the majority of the people, at least at the college that I was at, didn't live in it. But that but makes like, sense if they're paying money, right? Because the house is only so big, I would imagine, right? Yeah. So then, I mean, it's they're always like really nice houses too, you know, because it's like ten to twenty people. It's basically like a mansion, right? You know, 10 to 20 people living like in a big ass house. It's honestly a pretty cool deal. You know, that's something I would want to do outside of frat life. You know, just get <laughs> get some friends together and we can all just pay relatively cheap rent at right. like a really nice place because there's like just a lot of us living there. Yeah, so dude. It's yeah. How come there's not like a Uber's a ride sharing thing, right? So if you and your people just agreed to like share a Range Rover. Right. And everybody got like six hour shifts with it. You could completely afford that monthly payment. Right. So like, how come there's not something like that for houses as well? Where like 20 people go in on a mortgage and just buy beachfront property everywhere. You know, you know what? That's, that's also not a bad idea either. That's, I need um, to start writing down, man. I, I got to start. Yeah, I, you know, If I, I was ideas in a Ideas are a dime a dozen, man. That's the thing is that everyone has good ideas. It's the but practicality it's the, of them. It's execution. Execution at the end of the day. Yeah, man. I'm it learning matters. that. Because, right. I mean, you're probably not the first person to have that idea. Oh, and yeah. probably millions of other people out there that are like, why isn't that a thing? Yes. But 99 or maybe even in this case, 100% of people so far have just went back to like, oh, I'm just going to watch Netflix and forget about it. Yeah. Well, someone has monitor monetarized that idea. It's called timeshares. <laughs> yeah but isn't that like a scam oh dude it's a hundred percent scam don't ever fucking don't ever go to cabo and take the free trip on the timeshare where it's only an hour and then you get all these extra tickets anyone anywhere who has done that once has fucking hated it and just concede the advice of uh someone who's been through it don't do the timeshare stuff um <laughs> But no, yeah, I've, I've been scammed in the past, um, not through this 
specifically, but I've been scammed enough to kind of build up a tolerance for it. Um, hopefully I won't ever get scammed again. I don't think I will because it's pretty easy to spot one once you like know what it looks like. You know what I mean? What are your uh, key indicators? Um, get rich quick scheme. Probably the first one. <laughs> That's probably the biggest one, actually. That could honestly be the only one. Is a get rich quick scheme because that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a get rich quick scheme. It, yeah, it's so. Um, and we were actually messaging a little bit about this um, with stocks. Um, with my swing, I think I'm more of a swing trader versus a day trader. And I still don't understand what you're posting about your stocks. But wait, before we get to that, man, let's wrap up how you got kicked out of your frat or share about that because um, you never actually got to it. So you choose the bigger frat, you're there for basically a week, and pledging, what was pledging like? So I never actually got into it, um, but I know from talking to people like what pledging is like. Pledging is a very, uh, a very strenuous process. They're basically trying to, trying to weed you out. Like You have to go through like a lot of fucked up shit. Like, a lot of fucked up shit. Like what? Um, it, it depends. And at different colleges, it's different. And in some places, it's more lackluster. And it's not as serious. But so just as an example, I heard at I, from my friend that goes to Bama, um, Bama, Greek life is, like, really prominent in Bama. It's pretty much like if you're not in Greek life, it's not worth going to Bama because it's, like, the that is what that college is. It's all about Greek life, right? Huh. But, uh, so he told me this one story about if you want to become like the president of the frat, which is like you, you handle the business orientation and marketing, and, you know, it's president. So if you want to become the president of the frat, part of the, um, inauguration or I guess inductionary process involves, and this is what he told me is that you, at the start of the whole process, you buy, like, they buy you, like, a puppy, like, a tiny puppy, and throughout, and, like, I don't know how long this takes, but let's, let's say it takes, like, you know, six weeks, right, maybe a few months, so throughout that process, you're caring for the puppy and learning more about what it means to be president, blah, blah, blah. By and, caring for a puppy, yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the kicker of it at the end of it is that they make you kill the dog. Like, Shut the baseball bat. You're fucking lying, dude. I'm not. I'm not lying. Oh that's my the god. Most, that's the most extreme example I've ever heard. But just from other stories I've heard about Greek life, it's like 100% believable, especially down in Bama. Dude, what else? Like, I know that was extreme that isn't that fucked up like that still blows my mind thinking about it dude that's beyond fucked up oh my god so <laughs> i i was thinking like you would i don't know have to make like a pottery sculpture out of <laughs> baby diapers and like no, literally no, scoop like, the shit and let it get no, hard kind of a thing. You know, like it's like a torturous experience kind of thing. What the fuck, man? Why is that passed down? So I think here's another one that I heard of, and this was actually at the college that I was at, is that take all the all the pledges, which are the people that are like not yet brothers, they're going through the pledging process, 
and give them all like gallons of spoiled milk. And mm. what you tell them to do is you take, they're taking shots of vodka or whatever and chugging this spoiled milk. Oh, and the, the, the goal is that you have to chug all of it. And if you can't chug all of it, you know, you're out for the pledging process. Like you're done. Right. So do you have a time have limit? All of it. Yeah. And then there's, they brought this giant trash can out and put it in the middle. So it's like, you have to all chug all of it and it's like spoiled milk and it's an entire gallon. Right. So instantly people start puking. Well, but have, the idea is that everyone is like huddled around this trash can and they're all puking together into the trash can and they're and it's like the uh you know building brotherhood experience kind of thing like yeah right hardship together communal suffering isn't that fucked up that one's pretty bad too well no i would so, never do that well so i wouldn't do the spoiled milk but i have have you not been to a uh milk gallon party maybe this is an older thing so, I've heard of like the chocolate milk mile. I know people that have done that where you like jug a gallon of chocolate milk and run a mile. Okay. <laughs> so the, the party. But no, I don't know what you're talking about. No. So from what I understand, it's physically impossible to drink a gallon of milk in an hour. Physically okay, impossible. Right. So you go to these parties and people drink a like that's the challenge, whatever, like you're drinking, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, it's time for milk. Who's going to step up and you pull out the gallons. And it's like this thing, you sit around and watch these people try to down a gallon of milk in an hour and then watch them just spill their guts everywhere. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's exorcist type vomit, dude. Like it just spews. Um, but doing it with spoiled milks just fucking mean. Like, yeah, it's just torture at that point. Like, I mean, I would. It's torture's a little bit extreme, but man, it's damn close, dude. Like it, God. But see, that would be more in line with frats for what I thought. Fucking killing a puppy. You want to be yeah. a puppy killer? Jesus. That's the most extreme example, but it makes sense because it's at Bama, and it was probably a very, very big frat at Bama, so it's like. You know, it's a, that's about as extreme as it probably could get, I hope. So you think like, what do you think that extreme, would it be extraordinary measures or extreme measures? Is that proving that you're like willing to do whatever to lead this group? Like you're yeah. willing to commit this crime in order to be the head honcho. That man... No wonder CEOs make such fucked up decisions, dude. Right? Like if that's how right. they're being groomed. I think it's I think it's the same school of thought as people that or as like gangs, you know, if you want to yeah. like get inducted into a gang or whatever, you got to kill somebody. Like literally it's just like we're going to go drive around and kill someone. That's that's part of it. Obviously, like I I was never exposed to that environment, so I I don't you know, I don't know it from a first-person perspective, but just reading up, like, on history and stuff, I know that's what, like, Crips and Bloods used to be like. I've heard Crips and Bloods, it's more, like, it's more chillax, relatively speaking, now, because it's just, like, more large scale. Why, why you can't it would be, like, straight up, like, you have to either, like, kill somebody or whatever, like. Dude, I don't know, if, has anyone ever said Crips and Bloods and the word chillaxed in the same sentence? I don't know. Maybe I'm the first one. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I'd be proud of that, though. 
not terrible, man. I'm just kind of screwing with you a little bit. It is, but that it, it's actually a, a, I guess a decent comparison. Like, man, it's just asking people to commit so that y- they almost have the moral authority over you where you feel you have to depend on them or else you're going to face some serious consequences. Like that, that's a very odd position to actually volunteer to be in frat wise, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just think about it. Like it's like pledging allegiance, you know, right? I've heard similar, I've heard similar things that happen in the Marines too. Like, I don't know about like, you know, murdering an animal or whatever, but I've heard about fucked up shit goes on. It goes on in the Marines too, but it's just part of it. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of like uh, having skin in the game. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. Yeah, That I mean, that's uh, it, it's something that I've seen portrayed. So I served National Guard. I never got deployed. But you go to basic training, you go to AIT, and um, you learn things and you find your groups and you um, you do develop that sense of bonding, but it's normally about accomplishing a goal, not – Again, from my experience, and I'll know what deployment is like, but it's not so much about having people beholden to you because they fear consequences of an action coming out. It's more about we feel it would actually be closer to the chugging spoiled milk. <laughs> my experiences in the military it would be like, we're all going to suffer through this and we're all going to get through it. Then we're all going to laugh about it. And because we have that shared suffering, we're going to be closer. Yeah, you know, um, regarding your story in the National Guard, I could totally see that. But that's light. That makes a whole that, lot more sense because it seems more like yeah, that's army light for people and you know whatever. I totally get that. Obviously, I, I didn't serve, like, but I totally get that. Um, the Marines, though, is my my understanding is like as dude, extreme as it gets. Dude, they're next level. That. When you talk to yeah. when you talk to Marines who get deployed. Like they're not fucking around. Your life is in that dude's hands behind you. You're gonna make sure that motherfucker is about it. Like it's next level. When when you're breaking when you're breaking down doors and clearing buildings, you need to know the dude is not gonna quit. That that dude is gonna be all about whatever action comes comes up. It's next level. Yeah, man, I've heard that from pretty much every Marine I've ever talked to, and I, I as well. completely understand that I don't understand, you know. Right. And <laughs> That's a great way to be. And man, YV, dude, I'm not trying to like box you into some kind of corner. I don't want you to feel that way or anything. I'm not trying to leave you on an I island. I don't feel I, boxed in. Yeah, no, dude, I I think that's a an astute observation that the Marines, because they need that. It's funny you don't get to pick who you're going to war with. Like that, that's a very odd thing. I think some people don't think about a lot is you don't get to pick who can save your life and how many people would make that choice, right? Like, all right, man, I'll sign up for something where I'm going to be in a situation I could die and I don't know who's going to be there to save me. So it makes complete sense that they're going to try to weed those people out, find out, you know, who, who's about that action. (laughs) <laughs> who's willing to go that extra mile in order to make sure I make it back to camp. Man, that's a good point. I, 
I didn't really even consider that, but yeah, you you're just kind of thrown into a bunch of a bunch of different people and oh dude, you yeah. know, I've heard stories of like in Vietnam or whatever where it's like there will be a splatoon full of people and the idea is that it'll be like okay, we're gonna go this way, investigate this area for whatever reason, and you guys go this way, investigate that area. So I've heard I've read history about people like you know they're the surviving group because the other group ran into a minefield and they just all got blown up and died instantly like 20 people dude it's know? very darwinistic the military is i do know that from going to basic man like it, it was clear as day that there are just some people you're dragging and the the military did do at least when i was in a great job of helping you to understand how to drag them across but almost how to not like depend on them to accomplish missions, like get them through. But you got to realize like that dude, that guy's not going to get you to the top of the hill. We're trying to find 10 guys that can get us to the top of the hill. And if you're going to be a leader, you got to be able to identify who those 10 guys are and you got to utilize them in the right space. Like that's a real skill. Well said. Insightful. <laughs> well, IV man, I'm uh, dead or, serious. I'm being dead serious. No, yeah, I, I. So that's another thing that I've learned about myself. When you were talking about your exactly, I do a lot of. You know, it's funny, and I say that with not funny shit as almost my like, let me get my thought together type, like tread and water. And I do the like the giggle. Um, it used to actually, it fucking almost got me fucked up at basic training, like once or twice, man. To be honest with you. I'm in there with like dudes from the streets of like Brooklyn. And they're like, the fuck you always laughing at? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and like these cats are ready to jack me up over washers and dryers because I'm giggling because it's like this nervous thought getting tendency I got. I don't know. Um, but shout out to my uh, battle buddy Nixon. He never did. He uh, got the next guy at AIT, but he uh, stayed calm during basic with me. <laughs> I bet I bet you built some long, like some lifetime friends doing that, going through that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. It, it's funny, man. Um, I think we'd be tighter now with social media coming out. I can't imagine what basic is like now with phones, and then not having phones, and then getting phones, and then being able to connect. Back when I went through, it was um, internet was kind of uh, aspiring, but it would be. So I lost touch with a lot of those guys. It was more like the people you serve with. Um, but it'd be interesting to go back and see like what they're up to now, man. Cause you go to basic, you don't know if you're going to be reserve or real deal. And the real deal guys, you could like, you got a vibe from like their, their mentality was take that hill where most of the reserve guys mentality was like live to fight another day, you know? And that came across, um, in many, uh, situation stimulated missions. There I go rambling. Look at you, man. You turned this into a me pod and um, I was trying to get it's to know you. Good. So, good. dude, I, I know you told me you had an hour. Um, let me get you out of here on this, YV. And um, get ready to tell a story. Um, you can take sure. it in any direction you want to go. But I end the podcast with let me get your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Okay. Okay, here's a good one. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really thankful that I got the opportunity to work as a wine cook at, at, a, at a restaurant. Um, it was a, 
it was a terrible job. I mean, the food industry is a fucking shitty industry. It's terrible hours. Sure is. Everyone there is like trying to get you to do cocaine or whatever. Hundred percent in the um, walk-in, right? Like everybody's smoking weed. Everybody's trying to get that shift drink. Everybody's trying yeah, to just all the waiters like always have like oxycodone on them. <laughs> they're trying to like you know whatever because their knees are shot, man. You know, right? I mean, pretty much every night, every night that people want to go out and have a good time is the night that you're going to be working because you work at a restaurant, right? So, you know, food industry was terrible, but it taught me a lot about like one how to work but it taught me a lot about just life and i think mindsets of other people because you have to like work really hard to do that like it's i wouldn't say it's like the hardest work ever but i mean it's like you're busy like especially on busy nights like it's fast and dude it's eight eight to ten hours thousands of tickets like right and you're doing that for like six hours and you're making ten dollars an hour in the heat how bad are you sweating back there and it's hot like especially in the summer like oh man we had no ac like it, you know it's hard work it's hard stuff uh but you're not getting paid anything like you get paid zero money basically basically minimum wage right and that just taught me a lot about one you know just how like it taught me a lot about work ethic and it helped me a lot with work ethic and dealing with that also taught me how to cook which is cool because now i know how to cook and saves me a lot of money and pays by time right dude yeah and that goes back to that health thing right like just and that's funny too because i feel like a lot of restaurant people can they they do eat healthier because they know what quality food is if you work in a decent restaurant like you know what good is and you know what shit is right especially in restaurants like i'm just so glad i'm not one of those people that eats out like three times a day i would be broke yeah so expensive and it's also the food tastes worse you know like if you know how to cook like it it tastes better, like taking the time out to actually make something. Hundred percent. And it tastes better, you know. But um, so the main thing I I learned about that whole experience, though, is it. I guess it's in hindsight. I don't think this was an instantaneous thing. But just looking back, it taught me a lot about like asymmetrical leverage. Um, what? N- Naval, like, like Naval. That's actually how we we came into interaction is because you found me off like some some tweet that Naval liked or whatever, but. Um, he talks about this a lot, like, which is about, like, you you want to invest your time into things that have asymmetrical returns, basically trying to escape time in the sense that it's like, if you work as, uh, even as a lawyer, you know, like, lawyers yeah. make good money, but if you don't eventually, like, learn how to vertically scale your business and hire people and build a company out of it. Pyramid Even scheme. if you're making $200 an hour contracting, yeah. you will never like really like get up there, up there, you know, because you're just working. Cause time's it's directly limited. proportionate to how much time you put in. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you're doing something like with a podcast, just building a platform, building a digital platform, that's something that is exponential. It has compound interest, you know, it's it's hard to measure the compound interest because it's it's not like numbers exact numbers like how stocks are or whatever, but uh, it's it's compound interest. You know, it starts off slow, but then when you start building an audience, start getting interactions, you start getting shares, like people are sharing your podcast to other people, and then it just grows and grows and grows, and then all of a sudden you got ten thousand people every day like tweeting at you or you know whatever, and it's like right. it's compound interest. It's asymmetrical returns. 
and you know you're only doing like x amount of hours per week and it's the amount of hours per week remains about the same regardless of how popular your podcast gets right so that's a good example of it oh Um, dude that's so true so I, i grew up as a restaurant rat dude i was working in restaurants since i was 14 and um like i remember when i got my teaching job and i'm like wait if I call out sick, I still make as much money as if I worked. Yeah. That's and like in restaurants, do, you don't do that. I can't believe it's so fucked up that you don't, you don't get any sick pay. Dude. There's right. No it's so messed up. Right. Like, wait, so if I call out, I just don't get paid. Fuck that. I'm coming in. Like I'll come in with I Corona, you know, like that's how viruses spread, dude. People work like they're, they're fucking sick, man. But especially waiters making whatever, two, three bucks an hour. Like they're coming in for the tips, dude. They're not getting paid when they call out. Right. Exactly. It's, that's another good point. Like disease, man. They just, cause it, it's just naturally incentivized to work. Yeah. You because know? your labor is how you make money. It's not your mind. You have right. to physically be there. Right. Compared to if you do something like um, start a tech company startup, it's like if you build an app, that that app, you know, let's say it generates revenue stream off advertisements or something, you're literally making money in your sleep. Like you can code and you can do work and network or whatever regarding that app and promote it. And then you can go to sleep and it'll keep doing its work and it'll just compound over time until all of a sudden like you're making all of this money. And you're not even doing it anymore because yeah. you're automated the entire process. Yeah, it's making money for you. Hey, dude, so what was your like, what dish did you feel you just fucking killed when you cooked? Oh, that's a good question, man. Um, so while you're thinking, I'll I just. Okay, guys. I've always been good at making burgers. What was your secret? I, I don't have a secret. I don't. See, okay, <laughs> I, have a, I have a bit of a. Uh, What's the word like condescending opinion when it comes to cooking? Because cooking is so easy. Like I don't understand. It's it's easy in hindsight, but like once you once you know how to do it, it's like how could you be bad at cooking? I don't understand how people <laughs> can be bad at cooking. Like yeah, I just like people after like the head chef taught me like how to make a burger or whatever. Like here's how you do it medium well, and this is what you're supposed to look for. It's just like okay, I got it. Like you just look at it. Yeah. Let, let me poke it. Oh, wow. It's like, not like, tough. You not, right. It's like, <laughs> do you not have eyes or taste buds or a nose? Like, <laughs> if, so you're dumb, if you're deaf and blind, I could understand, but there's so many people that don't know how to cook. And it's like, how do you not know how to cook? Like you just smell, like even when it comes to like mixing ingredients and using different seasonings, it's like, I literally just smell seasoning and be like, well, will this go well with like what I put in already? Yeah. If it smells right, then I'll just throw it in, you know, like obviously I'm not Gordon Ramsay, like to be a master cook, that's like a whole nother level. Yeah, dude. But just yeah. to be like good enough at cooking Functional. to the point where like you'll make it for friends and they'll be like, oh, this tastes good. Yeah. It's really easy to do. <laughs> like I don't get that. Dude, it's, it's always amazed me. And funny enough, like I actually got reclassified in the military as a cook. Because they always were fed, they were always warm, and they were always clean. And people marvel at the fact that you can like time out how to make potatoes come out of an oven and whatever, steaks, like cooked properly. And you're like, how is it difficult, man? How is it difficult? It, it's, it's math. It's basic. Like it's predictable. You know, it's not like the weather. 
<laughs> it's very predictable. The environment is right, controlled by you. Just set timers and follow. You just follow recipes too. Like you're literally right? just following instructions. What um? Do you have a go-to seasoning? So mine is Italian. I throw fucking Italian or garlic powder in just about everything. Aside garlic from salt pepper, is a go-to for me. I really like garlic powder. Right. Powder. Um. Term, I've been on thyme, like T H Y M E, yeah, yeah. for a while. I really like thyme. Uh, I've recently become very akin to turmeric, though, which is great. I love turmeric, but I put hot sauce on everything. So if I was to give a more concise answer, I would just say hot sauce. What's your brand? You know, I switch. I switch around, <gasps> but um, I I switch around. I like I like sriracha's good. I like Frank's hot sauce. Wait, do you um, count sriracha or sariachi as a hot sauce? It's not a hot sauce. I I wouldn't have put it in the hot sauce category. I I don't think hot? it's. No, I don't think it's saucy enough. I don't think it's drippy. I think it's too coagulated. Is that the right word? Like that shit stays, man. Like Valentina or like Texas Pete's, you put it on something, it drips. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I guess I just consider it a hot sauce just in terms of like how I use it in my daily life. I'll use it the same way I'll use Frank's. Is like I'll make some rice or whatever. And I'll oh, put Franks on there, or yeah. if I have sriracha, I'll just like squirt sriracha on there and like eat it, you know. Am I wrong to say sriracha on purpose just to sound like an uninformed gringo? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think it's wrong. I mean, that's whatever. Yeah. Especially it's... if you, as long as you know, like that, you're not saying it right because it's not the same sort of thing, but it's like the same ballpark of people that say like. Especially in pretty much only in America, that hear someone speaking Spanish and they're like, "Why are they speaking Mexican?" Oh, I love that. I love that. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, I dude, I'm I'm like, why are they speaking Mexican? I don't know. Why is your American so poor? (laughs) I don't. Man, I used to be more of like a. Um, like I, I'm still all about, you know, like peace and love, blah, blah, blah. Although I think under certain, some certain circumstances, violence is very necessary. Uh, but I used to be all about like, you know, we're all just people on this earth, like be humble, like blah, blah, blah. And, but after, after seeing how like some people behave after observing how some people behave, I'm very comfortably elitist, you know? I'm not a fucking psychopath, but I definitely think I'm like, I look down on others and I'm not afraid to admit that, you know, because down on others for what? So many reasons. I mean, I just have opinions, you know, to be honest, I'm not even really going to go into it, but it's just like, (laughs) I think everyone does that. I just don't think they're honest with themselves. No, I think it's, I, I think it's a fallacy to go down that, like, I, I love psychedelics, by the way, but just to go down that sort of like gypsy, like psychedelic mindset, which is like, you know, we are all just beings on this earth, like, you know, just souls talking to each other. You just got to be like love and kindness sort of thing. It's like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, it's like, so I, just I, I'll throw myself, myself you know I mean? well, I'll throw myself as someone I would look down on and I haven't done a ton of research, but fuck man, I might've been Louisville. There's a there's a picture of there was a peaceful protest going by these two white people's homes and the dude with his belly 
comes out with a fucking assault rifle and the woman who's they clearly are of means comes out with her finger on the trigger of a handgun pointing it at people. Have you seen that? And fuck man. I didn't see that. He's, he wrote pictures of that, of those people are going very viral on Twitter. Dude. Yeah. So, so those are people I look down on and those are, and she's like, I, I thought I saw, and again, who knows if the internet's a lie, but like she works for like a court or some part of the system, right. A, of this, a lawyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lawyer. Lawyers, so so she's a part of the system in DC. There was a guy who fucking wrote up. It might've been DC who wrote, who wrote was like tearing down posters and was like, black lives don't mean shit to me. And he fucking works for a court and he's being recorded. And you're such a dumbass. You don't know that like that shouldn't be said on, on a basic, just fucking what is wrong with your IQ score level? Why are you so f- successful in a capitalistic society with that type of intelligence. So I don't mind going on the record being like, I look at those people and I look down at them, but, and this, this is what I want to connect it back to with the restaurant stuff, YV. And I don't know if it was like this for you, but I worked with, I didn't care if you were white, if you were black, if you were Hispanic, you know what I cared about? Was my table clean? Was my food right? (laughs) Was my order correct? Was my drink made on time? Were you going to fuck me over or were you going to help yes. me out if I fucked up and you were going to make up for my mistake and work with me and then I'll hit you on the back end with whatever, an extra five or a 10 or a shift drink. Right. No, because that's exactly that's what, what mattered. That's what mattered, exactly. man. You were a fucking per- – like we're working together, dude. We're not you're, – you're not separated. And these people come out and start ripping down posters and fucking holding fingers on triggers. Jesus Christ. Tamir Rice, like did he have a finger on a trigger? No, <laughs> like, 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 what are we do? What are you doing? You're just fucking wrong. And I think it's kind of okay. Actually, I think it's very much okay to look down on people like that and be like, you're fucking wrong, man. Like you have life fucked up. Sorry, man. I was ranting there, but like, it, it's, oh, it's okay. again, I'm like, I, I try to feel conscientious of people, especially like you, um, where you're younger and like you, you don't want to put shit on the record and um, box yourself in for lack of a better term. No, I feel you though. I think it's good to be speaking about this sort of thing. I mean, it's like this, uh, it's really, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff going on, but especially regarding uh, police brutality and all of that, I think it's, it's an essential to speak on it. You know, you have to, if, if we're gonna like get any sort of change, you're gonna have to like keep the conversation going, you know. And, well, so and like, I think you gotta look down on people, you know, and like, and maybe look down on people is too much of a harsh way to say it. Being an elitist is, is almost like um, connected to like white elitism or whatever. But I think you can be a, a uh, humanitarian. No, yeah, right. No, I, I don't think you said it like that at all. And I was actually going to say, I think you were almost going with like, you're just a humanitarian elitist. Like, fucking be a good person. Yeah, you know, that's a good way to put it. I mean, especially going back to the, the restaurant. Dude, analogy. restaurant teaches uh, you that so well. It's like, man, like, I don't want to fucking work with him. Like, fuck that guy. You know, like, straight up. Like, I don't want to work with that waiter. He always, like, 
leaves my, my I make my food and he never brings it out to the table on time and then I have to remake it and then I get in trouble for it even though the waiter right. fucked up and he comes in drunk and it's just like fuck that dude like yeah. I don't like him you know and I, I, I do more than not like him like I feel above him because I yes. work harder and better than him you know yeah and and the other thing that that goes to is you're gonna look out for if somebody's like oh shit man I've re- I I I, I forgot to ring in some chicken tenders. Hook me up. You're going to do the chicken tenders for that waiter who has been conscientious ahead of the dipshit who doesn't appreciate the work you're putting in. Like, it's just a fact of life, man. Like, their ticket's going to get bumped up the queue. Exactly. Exactly, man. Yeah, sports um, and restaurants can be very meritocratic, which I love. It's just results driven. It's what is your performance? How well can you handle whatever's going on? How well can you produce? And Especially that's like ha- performing under pressure too, oh, you dude. know, like in, during you, rushes. Oh, dude, when you get in the weeds and people are just fucking yelling and the ticket machine, it's like a machine gun. And you're just like, I wish that bitch would stop. <laughs> right. Dude, you really get to know people's personalities when you're working in restaurants. Just, it's, some people just don't know when to shut the hell up, especially especially cooking too. Like I know you were a waiter, but it's like oh no, dude, I was a cook too, man. I did it all: yeah, bartended, banquets, line cook. You know, you're spending hours with those people, and you're also relying on them too because it's like you're making different parts of the same order. Exactly. And, and you're so close. And not only are you hot, sweaty, and uncomfortable, you're working in a what? Maybe 10 square feet? 20 maybe square feet? Yeah, basically like, you know, just a small hallway. Yeah, exactly. Where you could die or get injured in any wrong turn. Yeah, man, it binds you. It, it really does. I didn't mean to cut you off, dude, but it really does. Like, like... Those are, it's almost like a basic training type um, atmosphere where you're just every night. And that, but so then you had to go out and party with these people a little bit too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the, yeah, the lifestyle. It's kind of part of the lifestyle. Exactly. It's like, you, those are your friends. Like those are the people you spend time with. Also like your, your time schedule, like it's just really fucking weird. Like it becomes really messed up, you know, cause it's like you end up like starting treating like Tuesdays like they're like there's it's my friday and like yeah and you'll That's get off same. at like 2 a.m and yeah and then you, you know what it's like dude well no yeah but I, I i so love talking about it for me it's like reliving the glory days um <laughs> when you'd wake up at like 12 but now that's like 6 a.m like it, it's amazing how your whole schedule gets um shifted it's almost like you're living in vegas with no clocks you know the average like nine to fiver you almost look down on because you're upset by them having weekends off yeah exactly it's man it's a it's a very it's a very it's a certain circle of hell let me put it that way yeah dude and but it's so addictive and not for so much for you being hourly but for the people walking out with cash money every night two hundred dollars or whatever like oh yeah it's i can imagine a waiter or a bartender dude it's so easy i I had to stop myself like it would have been an addictive destructive lifestyle 
to get caught up in it, man. Cause it's so easy. Cause you always have friends and you always have connections and you can go to other restaurants and your tabs like nothing because people look out for you. Yeah. And every job's a dead end job too. You know, I mean, so is. I, I feel like I could be slightly incorrect in the sense that if you get into like high end restaurant dealing, it becomes a little bit more relatively lucrative, but in general, it's like, I know as a bartender, for example, like as a female bartender, you can have a very promising career and you can make like really good money until you get old. And then it's an like owner modeling. will be like, yeah, an order will be like, we don't want you to work here anymore. Yeah. Like, you don't have the look for it. Dude, it's, it, you, you're hired to be a model in some instances, like your presentation, your looks can be way more important than your personality or knowledge. All right, YV. Well, man, thank you. Thank you so much for setting apart the time and, uh, Keep grinding, dude. I appreciate it. Hey, you too, man. I love the podcast. Keep keep it working, dude. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Good night. if that's the appropriate way to make these two segments merge, but we made it happen. YV, a month later, back on the pod. Thank you so the much. One, the one and only. I'm happy to be back. The one and only. Dude, you are going to be pretty original, honestly. And that's another thing, man, I was thinking about. like, so. And I had said it, you just sent me a hilarious video about IT workers. <laughs> um, I took a picture of one of the tweets, and one of the cooler things about you I don't know, is about you the right way to say it? One of the more interesting things to me is as a younger person having this online identity, trying to not like screw yourself out of potential opportunities, even though you don't know what they're about. But YV, like you might be the only person in the Getting to Know You podcast history that doesn't have their actual name attached, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it feels kind of feels kind of weird, but it feels kind of good. Uh, <laughs> internet anonymous i i just i think with society this is going to become more and more common yeah i i and it's something honestly too looking back or listening back to the episode i felt like i spoke a lot more on that episode because i got that vibe and i worried about putting you in a position where like you would share something and then kind of regret it but today's goal is to make you share multiple things that you will regret yeah, disclosure. no, it's good. I really, I really don't care. I'm pretty much an open book. Um, I know I said this last time, but pretty much the only reason I'm like, quote unquote, anonymous on the internet is just because like, I don't want employers to be able to track me down when I send them a resume or whatever. <clears throat> like, I don't really talk about anything controversial or anything I wouldn't say to anyone I know personally in real life. It's just like, I don't want, I don't want like all my personal shit to be just like automatically more or less by force like tied down to my name like i don't want my employer to be looking through my stuff and be like oh we saw you tweet we saw you tweet this meme with kim jong-un looking at a chart yesterday does this mean like i I don't even know you know just so much like complication (laughs) like unnecessary complication yeah So. so how come you think that way i was and i don't think i got into that like 
Are you just raised as a conspiracy theorist? Is it all the marijuana that has been smoked? The paranoia that comes along with it? <laughs> like what, um, or is that just something that's kind of common when you go to college that kids have to really think about and consider that's almost like beaten into their heads? Uh, I don't really think it has anything to do with, I mean, I'm not like any more of a conspiracy theorist than anybody else, to be honest. I, I don't know. I, I think, to be honest, I think most people that are so incredibly public, like on social media, it's just pretty much pretty ignorant, like really setting yourself up for, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's just like a lot of liability. No, well, yeah, but dude, you're so like, aren't you 22 or something like that? Yeah, I'm 22. Yeah, man. I and actually, I think you might be one of the younger kids that's coming. And I call you a kid because I'm almost twice your age. <laughs> no, it's all good. Right, one it's of the good. younger young men to come on the pod, and I'm like, that's a lot of foresight, and that's why I'm wondering, like, did you know that at 17? So like, you're a high school senior, and you still have these like precautions, or is this something you came about in college or after college? Well, I think I came more about this recently just because of like I got into like trading and entrepreneurship and related things uh, like when I was 21. I haven't like started a business or anything or at least a successful business, but just in terms <laughs> of like, mentality and just what I've been you know, paying my attention and like energy towards ever since I got into that, that's sort of when I started like being on the internet more um, in terms of talking to people and stuff. I was always on the internet. Like I love the internet, but just in terms of like, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, it's a lot easier to find people on the internet to talk about things I'm interested in regarding this stuff than to find people in my small town interested in this sort of thing. You know, I, I, I think it's like the most people just aren't, they don't have that mentality that like they want to start a business down the line. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but it's just like, I don't know. I like talking about money and financial freedom and a lot of my opinions, I think some people could really piss people off. But I think if you actually sit down and listen to me, you'd realize it's really not that, not that crazy. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but I hope that so, sort of makes it, sense. It's, it, it reminded me of your tweets. No. <laughs> I was gonna... Especially when it, I do want to say, especially when it comes to like talking about the markets and trading. Dude, I get, I get so lost. Yeah, if you try to talk to people that aren't into that, yeah. you'll look like a crazy person. But it's because it's like, it's just something that, at least for me, and I know a lot of other people that are like traders or whatever, that's just like something you think about all the time and you want to talk about it all the times. But it's like, if you're not one of those people, it's just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you know, that's that's one of my biggest like reasons for, I don't know, making internet, making friends on the internet. So, and that would be my first thing. Would you consider them friends? Yeah, I would. Right. And I think that's such a new, and I think that's a huge shift. So I'm 39. We got dial up at my age. We're just going nuts on chat rooms. If we think a girl's talking to us, although it's probably some like old dude in a basement, just hoping to molest us. Right. That that's, that's where I'm coming from. And I feel like kids, again, young men like you, Growing up with this stuff, like those are real relationships to them, even though you've never, or I guess I should ask, like there are people on there that you actually have never personally met, right? It's just straight internet relationship. Oh yeah. I mean, pretty much everybody I talk to on, on Twitter right now, I've, I've never met in real life. 
Yeah, right. I might meet. I might. I might meet up with them in real life, like down the line. But yeah, like we don't know each other. Um, yeah, I've kind of. I've kind of been doing this for a few years though. I used to be like more into gaming. Like I still game a little bit, but not nearly as much as I did when I was like in high school. And like, I've always like. Uh, I had a. I had a few friends for whatever different games I was running with when I was playing online, and it's like. We never met in real life, but I would consider it real friendships, especially when I was like really into whatever game I was playing. I'd play every day and they would get on and play every day. <clears throat> we would chill and talk about whatever and game and, you know, just get to know each other and stuff. Yeah. I'm still friends on Facebook with a few different people I used to play zombies with back in like eighth grade. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but I, and I guess when you said friends, it was one of those things where I'm like, you almost want to get old man judgy. But I'm like right there on the cusp where I'm like, I don't know, man. Like it, it is a friendship, right? Just because they're not in your town doesn't mean you can't have a relationship, care about that person, enjoy conversating with them, enjoy spending time virtually with them. Yeah, and I mean, it's just it's just the times that we're living in, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is obviously different from knowing someone in real life, and yeah, I think there's different like social precautions, and you have to. I don't even want to say you have to be more cautious, although you do have to be more cautious. It's just more about like, especially on the internet, a lot of people can just like bullshit and just lie. So it's like, I don't know. I'm really skeptical of like when I talk to people on the internet naturally, because it's like people can just be saying whatever. Like so many people, you know, like try to like, especially on Twitter, they'll be like LARPing talking about like they're a millionaire or something when they're like living in their parents' basement or whatever. Yeah. To get you on a, um, I'm actually wondering if I'm following somebody like that now who I was trying to get on the pod where like you're just all you do is talk about how much money you're making. And it's this like odd pyramid scheme, it seems, where he's like written a book. And if you sell a copy, you get half of what you what he gets. Oh, with the referral like thing. Yeah. Right. So it's like a thirty dollar yeah. book and it's like an online course of how to make money. And it's like, bitch, it's one bullet. You know what? You know how he's making money by you making him money. And like right. that, like that, that's the insight. And I'm, I'm like, but are you a successful guy? <laughs> Is this, I can, can I see real pictures of your accounts? Right. Yeah. It's just the classic, like selling the American dream thing. It's, right. um, you know, I think the, the phrase like those who cannot do teach, um, explains that, but and I those... totally know what you're talking about with like people on, especially on Twitter, but I mean, just YouTube too. I get YouTube advertisements about that whole sort of thing, which is like this bench. Like, have you seen that YouTube advertisement where it's this guy like standing in a park and he's like, this bench made me a multi-million dollar, multi-million, <laughs> multi-millionaire because I used to sit on this bench and watch all the rich people at the park across the street. So I decided to change my life and I changed my life and it was really easy but I'm not going to tell you how I did it unless you pay me $29.99. So here's the link. Click the link below and you'll be able to sit on this bench with me or something. I have not seen that, but that's but in you essence. Know, you know the general 100%. idea. Though, it's the right? gist, dude. And I, I, <laughs> all the same. Yeah. It's hilarious that the bench $29.99 price point and the digital marketing $29.99 price point, um, it's there. It actually made me <laughs> – the other night I was kicking around the idea of – creating a training program for cats, targeting lonely people and convincing them that with my online course, if they're dedicated and willing to spend the time and go through the grind, I can train your cat 
to take care of your dog so you won't have to. You know, sign me up for that. That'd be <laughs> sick. Are you kidding me? And like, just do all these stupid videos, right? About like whatever bullshit training methods. And it really made me wonder like at three in the morning, if people still buy like holy water and are sending money to preachers who raise the dead and heal paraplegics, I feel like I have a chance to at least make like 10 grand. People have made a lot of money in stupider ways. Right. You know, it, it depends on the route you want to take, but <laughs> so true. So true. But it, it is, man. It, it's amazing how people can just market themselves, hype themselves up to get that money and be of such little substance. It really is. Yeah. That's the fear. If you start all of a sudden following and going all in on those people and you don't really know, them. I guess that would be the anti friend thing. Like you build a relationship with somebody and then you find out like they're actually fake after a couple years. But why would it matter? Yeah, that's like the thing I'm trying to avoid like more than anything else. It's like the number one thing I'm trying to avoid. I was actually talking to my friend about this, uh, one of my Twitter friends about this, but it's just like uh, like the, the relationship between like who you are in real life and who you are on the internet should be as like seamless as possible. Even if you're anonymous, like that's really important to me, especially when talking to people that like, you know, they're just like being like pure. You know, I mean, it's just like, it's the same thing in real life too, you know, just keeping it real. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know um, what I mean? No. Yeah, dude. And it's something that I was, um, and I don't know, like when you first came on, so it's been a month now, right? But when you first came on, I felt like that was some of that little, like when I'm talking to this guy, yeah, he says he's from Delaware. Yeah. He says he's doing whatever, but like you almost have that, um, it's like a boxing match, man, where you're like sparring and trying to figure each other out for the trust wise. And that's kind of the vibe yeah. I had gotten with you at first, which is why I felt like I over talked like hell because I was, I guess almost trying to sell myself <laughs> in my, like just being genuine. Like, Hey man, here's the real basic thing that I'm trying to do. Um, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Right. But no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. I think it's odd if you are not representing yourself, if you're representing yourself in different ways through different mediums, it, it doesn't yeah. make sense to me. You should just be you. Yeah, you know, it's just like, I don't know. There's so many things I could say about that, but I think more than anything else, it's just kind of like a waste of time. I mean, even if you do end up like just like creating some like weird persona on the internet and like <laughs> convincing people that, like if we're talking about those ebook people, like convincing people that you know the secret to like wealth or whatever and like you end up making like a cool like few hundred thousand dollars like selling some bullshit PDF, like, I don't know. I don't think that's good for your mental health. It's just like living a lie, you know, like it'll catch up to you uh, at dude, some point. It'd be stressful as hell because you're going to have like serious imposter syndrome. You're just waiting for the waiting to be exposed at any moment. Yeah, dude. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> Man, I, I really, and uh, I, I wasn't sure if this was the reason last time because I, I did want to talk to you about how you got into stocks. I wasn't sure if you do like late night after hours trading and that was the reason why last time you had to go no i, I the reason i had to go is because i i had plans for like coding i've been like coding late at night um okay. i mentioned this last time but i've been i'm working really hard to land a position in software development so just finishing up my portfolio to be honest i was supposed to be done with it last month like i've been um 
I've been splitting my life up into quarters, like starting in 2020. Like instead of having a New Year's resolution, I was like, "Fuck this!" Like it's too hard. At least from like my own personal experience, I've always had a lot of difficulty just like setting one or like two goals for a year and like seeing what happens with it. I I think it's a lot easier to measure um, if you split it up into quarters. I mean, it's the same thing that that like businesses do. Is they're like, yeah. okay. These, this is what we're going to do for Q1. These are the profit. This is the profit targets. This is the Q2 plan, Q3, Q4. So I was supposed to have my portfolio done by Q2, which ended at the end of July. Um, but I've just been finicking around with it. And yeah, it should have been done last month, but it'll finally be done next week. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. Like aside from trading, I focus a lot on coding, stuff like that too. Can I, and I have no idea what a coding portfolio would look like. So to me, it's just like almost like a matrix screen where when you hit a button, somebody can have something done for them or am I way off on that? No, it's more of just like a link to different projects that you've made. So like I've made a Chrome extension, I've made a Twitter bot or whatever. And it's like, I'll get all, all of my different projects like presented, you know, well on a website or whatever. Like I'll make my own website, like presenting myself. Um, like yv.com or, you know, whatever. And then people go to the website and they see all my links and they see like a brief description of like why I got the coding or whatever. And then they can check out my code and, and see what's up. Um, you know, it's, it's really just like projects, just the projects that you've done. Is it creative Um, projects where you're trying to find your own niche or is it more like, you know, companies look for this kind of thing? Like you said, Twitter bot again, I'm dude, I'm an old man. I'm guessing a Twitter bot does something on Twitter. Yeah. It's basically just like an automated, (laughs) just like an automated, um, Twitter thing. I mean, there's plenty of different like Twitter bots out there, but the main thing for, for example, that I've made a Twitter bot is because that's showing that, I know how to work with an API and I know how to, you know, I uploaded all that code to a server. So I have like experience with like doing that and just like, just creating a script to like deal with different APIs to deal with Twitter. And just like, um, so I'll send you a link to it's twitter.com slash finna everything. It's not really that impressive. It's just something I made, but um, and API stands for application programming interface. So all that that means is it's like, it's just a, the, a connection between, you know, code that you write and whatever sort of thing that you're working with. So it could be Twitter or it could be any sort of whatever. Uh, like there are different APIs to apply different things. There's weather APIs if you want to make a weather app or whatever. So uh, the bot that I made, Finna Everything, it's really it's nothing special, but all that it really is, is I created this algorithm to just, uh, or just spit out random sentences starting with Finna like once an hour. So, <laughs> because it was fun. Like, so do you have to load in a bank of sentences or do you load in words and then it's able to make them coherent sentences? Yeah. So th- there's like a, a giant bank of verbs and there's a giant bank of nouns. And it's all starting with Finna. So it'll, it's basically the way it works. Is it's like it'll tweet Finna random verb plus random noun. And it just does that once an hour. <laughs> it's, it's really simple. I think, I think, I think uh, from an employer's perspective, they could think it'll, it's more impressive than it actually is. 
Yeah, yeah. It, I, I might be I might be undershooting myself to be honest too. Like I know this isn't anything special, but I think it's enough to get like an entry entry level position. Right. So then, why not include adjectives, or why not include compound sentences? You know, I totally could. And like to be honest, it's something well. I, I probably will do in the future. But I kind of just made this in like over the weekend to one weekend and haven't really touched it since. But um, w- part of my plan this week, though, is to actually have it like follow people back if they follow me and like reply to people automatically if they reply to my tweet. Just to, just to show off to the employer that I know how to use the API, the Twitter API, right. because it's like, there's a lot of uh, like corporate um a lot of corporate twitter accounts for different reasons that will like they want people to they want their account to automatically follow everyone back or they want like automatic replies at certain times yeah yeah. whatever for whatever reason so i don't even care like if i get hired for twitter like i don't care about making a twitter api it's just that employees can see this and realize that, that they could use my skills and apply it to something else, you know? Yeah, do like, just from an employer's perspective, like, they just want to see something and be able to see, it's like, okay, does this guy know or does this guy at least have the capability to be able to figure out how to do what we're trying to hire someone for, you know? That's all that gotcha. our portfolio is. So that if they're they're looking to bolster up their in-house stuff instead of outsourcing it, because it should be cheaper if you would hire your own employee with skills. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I really don't know. But um, from what I understand about like entry level positions is it's like they don't really care if like, I mean, obviously it would be ideal if you could do like 100% everything they need you to do like before, you know, you get hired. But as long as basically they just need to be able to see that you more or less know how to code and you've made something that actually like makes some sort of sense from a practical perspective. Because if you follow like tutorials on the, on the internet, a lot of people make like the same projects like, okay, you know, like there's this Udemy course and we're going to teach you how to make a calculator with JavaScript. So it's like everyone has a JavaScript calculator and it's just like, oh brother, like, you know, just kind of white noise, you know, blends in with everything else. But, gotcha. you know, if they just see that you've made like real things that are, that they think are somewhat cool, it's just like, okay, cool, you know. It, like I've heard stories of like like I focus on like JavaScript like my entire portfolio is based on like HTML CSS and JavaScript, but I've heard like you know I could get hired for like a language I have no experience in, but as long as they can see that I know how to code, that they'll just like throw a book at me and just be like okay figure it out you know this is what like we're gonna be doing. That's exactly what I was thinking because the skills transferable and it's funny because when um you had said something about like automatic replies. I just went to emails and I'm like, oh shit, dude, that's so, and I don't want to underestimate it, but I'm like, yeah, you do. I can email someone and you can set a timer if you're an employee and say during these days, these times, automatic reply that I will be out of the office until this date. Yeah. And it gets there in a minute and I'm like, yeah, that's code. And now you apply that to other things and it's just, it it is, it seems like a very transferable skill. Yeah, that's the cool thing about coding is like, I didn't realize this before I got into it. But it's like, I used to think like learning a programming language was like learning a language. And in many ways it is, but I think it's a lot easier to learn like different languages. Because like, once you just get an understanding of just like, how programming languages are languages work, like how they're organized, it's really not that hard to pick up a new one for whatever reason. Um, all the good programmers that I know, they pretty much just use 
use whatever language is best for whatever task they're trying to achieve. They don't they don't they're not really like, oh I only use Python, like Python's the best. Like nobody nobody thinks like that. You know what I mean? Actually, no, no idea. There's different coding languages. I guess yeah, different systems different systems communicate in different ways then, huh? Yeah, there's just like different languages for uh, different purposes. So like for example, JavaScript is what you is what web browsers use to like do cool things. So like Twitter if you go on twitter.com javascript is what like organizes and does all the special stuff like html css is like the raw part of like web development um in terms of like presenting it like okay html css it'll like like if you look at a tweet or whatever like there's html in there that is just literally that tweet and then css is like the stylizing part so it's what adds colors and makes it it makes it look cool and then javascript is what makes like animations happen and like different nuances and stuff like that um but if you're going to like like there's plenty of different ways to do a lot of different things but just for example if you're going to try to like analyze data like for if you want to become like a quant for like finance if you want to just like analyze stock data and just you know do all that like you could use python or you could use c plus plus um you could use JavaScript for that, but it's like it just really doesn't. You know, there are better purposes. There are better languages that fit the fit the task. What makes it better? Just an eat like less time to type it up, or more less less room for it to fuck up. Well, it's it's more about like how the libraries work. Like there are different. Um, so like when you're when you're creating a a programming. When you're creating software, when you're, you know, creating a script to like do whatever for you, the majority of the time, like 99% of the time, you're not going to be like raw coding it, meaning like you're not going to be like coding everything from scratch. Uh, it's like just out there. Everything's new. Yeah, like there are libraries out there that you pretty much just like import into your into your script. Gotcha. And then you just like access the different tools that that library has access to. So like there there may be some sort of data science you know library for javascript but like python's way better they have way better libraries for that hmm. and also just in terms of how the like languages um like execute like different languages are better for different things like for example python and javascript are interpreter languages which basically means that like when the code is being like compiled into your computer the code goes through each the computer goes through the code like line by line and it'll look at each line and translate it into binary into zeros and ones and then execute it and it just goes line by line and execute executes it so although it's like incredibly fast it's like relatively slow compared to other languages like c plus plus which is a compiler language i don't know if that's the proper word but the the difference basically is that c plus plus will take your code and whenever you're done with it it'll compile it all into binary like so it compiles it all into zeros and ones after you're done coding it so that when the computer has to run it it doesn't have to do the like conversion by hand line by line it just has to run the binary script like when it's done so it's like a lot faster <laughs> why wouldn't they all do sense. that yeah no yeah it does but why wouldn't they all do that you would figure you would just send the you would send the by you would send the numbers to the computer in order to do the work like, why would you have that extra step? 
so it's just it's kind of like different in terms of um how like how the languages are organized like for example with c++ you have to do a, you have to care about a lot more stuff in terms of like how computers work like you have to account for ram and like memory space and like all that it's called like a lower level language which basically means it's like the lower level a language is the closer it is to the hardware of a computer and the higher level a language is the more stuff that happens like behind the curtain so like with javascript it's a high level language so it's just like you just kind of write code and it does the thing um to be honest i really don't know enough about this to give you like a an expert answer but just my my understanding of it is that it's like interpreter languages are just kind of more intuitive like if you just want to write a script to go through your email you know you just have it like you just have like a line of code that accesses your email and then a different line of code that filters through the text and then it's just like it just makes sense for an interpreter language because it just goes through line by line compared to a compiler a compilation language which is good for like you know crunching data or like cracking passwords or something gotcha see i was thinking if that makes sense i know that's a really like kind of basic and vague example but to be honest i'm not like an expert in this field yet so that's my understanding no dude i and i have very little experience i think when i was in college i might have made a website with html and then um is css something like cascading something yeah it's cascading style sheets yeah so that literally just came out Right. I, as soon as I learned HTML, I was um, about to be done with the class. And then like CSS comes out the next year and I'm like, fuck, man, I got to learn this whole new thing. <laughs> yeah. No, it was way it cooler. Came, it came, came out a while ago, but it was definitely like only HTML at first. Yeah. But what I'm, what I was wondering with the compilation versus the um, line by line is like, if it goes line by line and you screw up on one line, at least the other lines work. Where if it's a compilation and something screwed up, like does the whole thing just get shot? So I don't have experience with compiler languages, um, like as of yet, it's definitely on my to-do list to like get one down just so I can better understand like programming as a whole. But yeah, like I've heard like, uh, bug fixing is like a lot easier to do with interpreter languages because it'll like, it'll tell you like, Oh, there's an error on this line specifically, you know, compared to other things where it's like, it'll give a weird error. Like, you know, it's just, it's more, uh, you, you have to have a more intimate understanding of the entire process, like the lower you go. Yeah, that makes sense. That And that was that's what I was like kind of wondering. Like, So then what you're gaining in speed, if it's inefficient, it's almost like a sports car. When something goes wrong with a sports car, you're screwed because everything is like so connected. Like every little thing matters. Where if you go line by line, if you just get a Honda or whatever, like you can kind of beat it up a little bit more. And the car will still run. It doesn't need to be perfect to run well. Where a sports yeah, car has to be perfect to run well. That's a good way of explaining it. Yeah, that's I, I again. I don't know if I was right, but that's kind of what I was picturing as far as the uh, proficiencies. Yeah, and then how no, could... I mean, you got the general understanding. It's um, we were talking about computers earlier, but it's like I don't know if it was being recorded, but you know, like what we were talking about earlier, it's like it's not that difficult. Like it's. You know, all the computers do is they're just really good at, follow, at following instructions very quickly. Right. So it's like, there's nothing too crazy about it. Like once you just get an understanding of how yeah. it works, it's just, you're just giving, you're just telling the computer what to do. Yeah, dude, they're calculators. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's all you push a button and the thing is programmed to do whatever it is that button is pushed. It's just, do you know the correct button or the quickest way to put those buttons to make the computer do the thing? Yeah. yeah. And that's where like algorithms come into place. Cause there's like, there's a lot of math involved. Well, there's not a lot of math involved, but um, just in terms of like, if you want to make your code more efficient, especially with like interpreter languages, but also with compiling languages, uh, there's different algorithms and all that an algorithm is, is just like an efficient way to follow instructions basically. So there's different right. like sorting algorithms. Like for example, if you want to like, if there's a, um, like an array, which basically means like an organization of data of different horse racing data or whatever, and you want to organize it by like fastest time or whatever, like what's the quickest way to sort through the unsorted data and sort it? Like what's the quickest way for the computer to do that? So there's different algorithms involved for like different different ways to accomplish the same thing basically. And that's, you know, kind of what you were talking about. Yeah, man. When you say that, my mind just goes immediately to like Excel spreadsheets and creating your own yeah, like, filters. Yeah, same thing. You know, I mean, no, it's the same thing. Excel is basically a programming language; it's just more visual. Right. Yeah, that's um, that's something that I flaked out on, but I wish I wouldn't have because now, um, compiling data, especially so I'm a teacher, especially with kids, and then even with basketball, I've it's I coach basketball, and it makes it so much easier if I have the stats and I'll enter in whatever you do, how you shoot, your turnovers, blah, blah, blah. And then it's not me just being like, dude, I don't think you're good. Or dude, this guy's better than you. It's, well, let me look up your stats. And then it once you have that program or the algorithm, it's just so easy. I just copy and paste it and it just duplicates. And it's its its, its own thing now, right? All I have to do is enter the numbers. And it's, it's very simple. And I feel like with the coding, it's on that same level. It's just somewhere people get lost in the language with compilation and interpretive language and quants and all that stuff. And it's like, nah, man, it's actually just words. It's just characters. <laughs> There's an equal sign somewhere probably that says do that, you know? Yeah, man, pretty much. You pretty much nailed it on the head. Um, it's, it's definitely not for everybody. Like on the internet, you see a lot of people that will be like, everybody should learn how to code, but it's just really not for everybody. But yeah, you know, like you said, it's really just like a tool. Like, you know, a lot of people say it's a cheat code because it really is because like you can really like optimize efficiency on the internet with different scripting. But it's like, yeah, you know, like you said, it's just, you're just telling the computer what to do. You know, the better you understand languages, uh, the more, the better returns you can get from it right. in terms of effort. So have, and I don't know how serious the coding society is, but is there something what that- you mean by serious? Well, like- like a stance. So like basketball wise, you got your Michael Jordan's the greatest. You got LeBron James is the greatest, right? Rap wise, Biggie or Tupac or whoever, right? Mm. So is there something similar in the coding where you can kind of just say it and you know, you're going to get like a fuck Trump or Trump's my man kind of reaction. Like if you go all in on like HTML, greatest coding language of all time, and then everybody just blasts you. Well, kind of. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's as like, as isolating as like political opinions. I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that serious, but I mean, it's definitely, I think it's more of just like an, an industry kind of thing. Like if you were to talk to mechanics or whatever, like if you were a mechanic and you could be like, oh yeah, 
you know, catalytic converter is like the best thing that's ever happened to cars or something. Like a lot of people would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, and they call you an idiot for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm not much of a car guy, but I think you can understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. it's just like, but is there something like that with coding or was that it? Like saying something stupid about HTML. I guess I'm like looking to see if I got an argument or if I had a coder and I kind of wanted to upset them, I could say something intentionally just to push their buttons. Oh, yeah. So if you really want to upset somebody, you can you can try to say like, oh, you, should, you shouldn't do that with machine learning. Like a lot of people, I've heard a lot of employers will be like, oh, just like apply machine learning to it. You know, it's like the, the best thing out there, but it just doesn't work for everything. And is machine learning like artificial intelligence where it just goes through like some sort of database and figures out how to solve the, its own problem or write its own I code? I mean, kind of, but um, I think if we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, I think a lot of it's very misunderstood. It's just really like, it's not as cool as people think it is. Like, don't get me wrong. It is really cool, but we're like very, very, very far from the concept of computers being able to think for themselves. Yeah. I don't even know if it's I don't even know if it's possible. I mean, it can be like imitated really well. And I think down the line it'll be able to be imitated very well, but it's it's, you know, it just doesn't work like that at least right now. Dude, like, my Alexa not I, like that. I ordered an Alexa during quarantine and she can't even play the right fucking podcast I want to listen to. She's like, I'm sorry, I do not understand. And you're like, well, well how is this difficult? <laughs> like what keyword do I not right. know? How have we not picked this up yet? And when I when I got it, I was very disappointed in the lack of with the voice and the decision, like the anticipation and decision making. It just wasn't there, you know, and I can yeah. see it. I can see it in Gmail. Like if I'm typing an email, it's always trying to finish my lines now. And it's starting to kind of pick up on like typical sayings I'll have, but it's yeah. not adding anything creative. It's just regurgitating what it's noticed me doing. Exactly. So the way that that whole sort of things works is it's all just data analysis. So it'll like if you're typing out a sentence and it suggests something and that's just because they've scanned like everyone's emails or whatever. So they just know like statistically, this is the most common way that this sort of sentence finishes. Yeah, it's so a probability that suggestion. And they'll also like, yeah, and they'll also analyze, you know, habits that you pick up on and different things that you say like with autocorrect on your phone or whatever it's the same thing exactly and it's like that's why i was talking about like it's really not artificial intelligence it's just like it just kind of imitates it. it's like well it knew what i was thinking it's like well not really but kind right. of yeah no it's i i just when when that alexa thing and maybe it's because i got the discounted one i'm not sure but i was just so disappointed in how cumbersome using it is i'm like dude just like where's the pad Right. Like where, where can I just type something to get what I want with you? Um, and when that yeah, happened, those I was things like, are basically just a search engine. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm glad that you said that. Well, I don't even, I don't even know if glad is the right way to put it, but should we ask Alexa? Of, Alexa, how yeah, does YV feel? A lot of people get like way more, um, they just get like overly impressed, like more than they should be by that. Cause it's literally the same thing as typing, go like loading up Google and typing whatever you're going to say. And people are like, whoa, I, I said it to Alexa and it knew what I was saying. You yeah. know? No, yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't have an Alexa in my house. I don't like that stuff. Now you think they're listening or you know they're listening? Well, they are listening. I mean, it, <laughs> that, that's not a theory. Like it's, it's like a, it's a public fact that Amazon, Google, YouTube, Windows, whatever, 
they all they're all list like your TV, your radio, your phone. It's literally constantly listening to everything you say and whatever. Or if you're on Google, it's constantly tracking everything you look up because it sells your data to advertisers. It's one of the ways. It's one of the best ways they make money. Right. I mean, that's then that's not even a conspiracy. You know, like that's far from a conspiracy. It's like more. You know, it's in, incredibly true. Oh no! Yeah, I mean anybody who's anybody who's Googled purchase a blank and then all of a sudden for the next month you see nothing but those ads popping up in every website you right. go to. Like, or yeah, it's like, like I'm not even a soccer player, right? But the other day I was talking with my one friend about soccer. Like we had like an hour long conversation about soccer. And then I go home and go on Google and I get all these advertisements for like soccer cleats and stuff. And it's like, you know. Now when you say talking, when you say talking though, you're typing, right? No, I mean literally talking. No, see that freaks no, me out. The I'm voice part. Serious. You can try it. If what you really you? want to try it, you can try like forcing a conversation with somebody. What were you? Where you'll start like talking about whatever. Are you talking on a phone? You talking through the internet? Like, how are you speaking? You can talk on a phone. If you're next to a TV, if you have your smartphone in your pocket, it's listening. If you have an Alexa, that thing's very much listening. Everything you talk about, like every word you say, everything you talk about, it's all being recorded, and it's all being sold to advertisers. How do they? I guess it's just the algorithm that sorts it, huh? So that that's why they yeah. want you to speak into Alexa, so that they can start analyzing the different accents and tones to know how to sort yeah. all these words to throw them in the bucket to meet the algorithm. I don't, I don't know if you heard about this, but I'm I don't know if it was the Amazon Echo or like Google's equivalent of it, but there was a while for the past few months where Google was like giving out this free offering when they're like. Sign up for Amazon Prime and we'll send you an Amazon Echo for free or Google is doing the same thing. Wow. And people were like, wow, that's crazy. It's like a $50 thing. They're just giving it to me for free. Yeah, That's why. It's because they're going to make more money selling your data to advertisers. They want more data because more money. Man, it's – And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's the same thing as like Gmail auto – like auto-correcting your sentences and stuff. It's like – you just have you just write a script to be able to like analyze you know audio files and it'll just start to recognize words from analyzing hundreds of thousands of files and then when you hear someone say soccer and you hear someone say soccer x amount of times that's when it's like okay that gives you the trigger to start advertising soccer cleats on people's youtube videos or whatever because they were talking about soccer or yeah. you know whatever man it's it's a weird manipulation. And that's the yeah, other thing. That's that... why a lot of people like really don't like that shit. I don't like it. Um, I'm not, I'm not like crazy though. Like I know a lot of people are like really like up in arms about it. Honestly, I think as they should be, cause it's like pretty, pretty fucking messed up. Like it's really like big brother type stuff. Um, well, but it's like, I, I don't know. I it just it. makes me uncomfortable. And here's the thing that I'm, where I get at a loss and I can't even get through like the congressional hearings because they were all just there, right? Like all the heads were just there. And again, it almost goes to what we were talking about, about Biden. Like you got 70, 80 year old, 60 year old people who maybe have some interns that are kind of informing them about what to say, but they can't go toe to toe with these guys, right? Like, like you can't go toe to toe with Zuckerberg and get a real answer. You're not going to be able to understand. And I'm amazed that like, Google has not been claimed as a monopoly in some sort. Like how is Amazon yeah. not a monopoly yet? How are they not a monopoly? If you can break up electric companies 
Isn't this like one of those moments? Isn't this why we have these laws? Or did they just lobby enough to like confuse people or to make it so like, eh, maybe, maybe not-ish that they get away with you it? Know, I really don't know enough about um, like business laws to give you an accurate to give you an accurate answer in terms of like why they're not a monopoly, because I don't really know if they legally qualify as a monopoly. Right. What is the But just like on a basic understanding, it's like that's more or less what they're trying to do. It's the same thing with like when Ace when Facebook bought out Instagram and they were trying to buy out Snapchat and Twitter. Like they were just trying to run all the, you know, all the social media companies. It's, right. it's just like because I know a lot of people I I don't know if you do, but like, especially since I'm younger, I talk to people about this more often, but I know a lot of people that will say things like, Oh, Facebook is so bad. Like, why would anyone go on Facebook? Like I'm only on Instagram. Instagram is so much better. Meanwhile, Instagram is Facebook. Yes. hundred percent. It's the same thing. You know, I I, I don't message through Facebook. Can you hit me on WhatsApp? And you're right. (laughs) yeah, because that's a different floor in the building. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, dude, I've noticed that too. There was that whole thing like get off Facebook or something like that. And it was like, I, but they were promoting it through yeah, Instagram. Yeah, people on Instagram talking about like cancel Facebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, I, the irony, I was uh, that that's where I get lost on the internet where I'm like, why am, why am I even spending five minutes in my head making fun of all these people and the ignorance? Um, but I do and it sucks me in. And I'm like, wow, I don't, man, how, so are you just growing up with a bunch of like PlayStation games, Xbox, and this is how you're all about this life? Cause you seem so like knowledgeable, so into it, man. Or do I just not talk to enough 22 year olds? And this is kind of like a common language thing with (laughs) y'all. Well, I have been like, I've always like had a thing for video games. I really don't game that much anymore, but I've literally been... Since when I was a kid, I was pretty much obsessed with video games from the age of like two until the age of you know eighteen or nineteen. Um, and I think because I was I liked video games so much, I've just always had like an attraction to the internet and computers and right. like I don't know. I didn't even always want to work in tech, but I just remember when I was like twelve years old, like I was on like my mom's Mac or whatever, and she was showing me how like the computer works and all that. And I just remember thinking like this is the future. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I was just like so convinced, but I, there was just something about it. I could just tell like, this is where society's going. It's just going to become more and more about what I'm looking at right now, which was like some shitty computer. But yeah, I don't think everyone's like this, but I think a, everyone that's smart is. And, you know, I don't know. That's a little bit conceited of a way to put it. But just in terms of, like, keeping up with the Joneses, and I think, personally, I think keeping up with the times is very important if you want to, like, stay alive. Um, Because, I don't know. It's not, like, not not everyone has to be, like, super tech savvy, but just, like, that's why I am so obsessed with technology, because, like, I'm interested in the future. Like, I want to know where society's going, and I want to be able to... I want access to like the latest technology for whatever reason. Like I'm not even talking about like the smartest, the coolest new phone or whatever. Like I just want like to know what's going on so I can prepare myself or start, you know, get on the way wave before other people do type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I I'm, that makes sense. No, yeah, it does. Cause it, it's, if you're, if you have that entrepreneurial mindset, you're always trying to be ahead of the curve, right? 
to, to ride the wave. You yeah. don't want to be left out. And I'm kind of wondering, man, like in my head, I'm like the virtual reality stuff seems to have been trying to get off the ground now for a decade. You know, they tried like 3D in the home, but who wants to sit there with some weird glasses things on your face? Yeah. They, they've tried different video games. There's virtual arcades that kind of pop up, but you don't get, to me, you don't get like the sense. Like visually, you kind of know it's fake, but you don't get the feel. The reality is very unrealistic. And I, to me, I wonder if we're going to go with like consumerism technology. Is that the next big thing? I think so. I think once that thing really starts to, to pick up and starts to work out, it's like everyone's going to do it. Yeah. And what I mean, I'm... especially with remote work, like if you can make like VR technology feel like relatively seamless, like everyone will be doing that. Like there will be virtual meetings. Yeah. In terms of video games, it's like, why would you play a video game on a screen when you can literally be in the video game? Like when it becomes seamless, you know, it'll just be like, why would you do anything besides that? Right. And now here's where my mind goes though, man. Cause I think most people think like, all right, we'll take a video game, um, whatever, call of duty where you're like run around and shooting. So you have to move, right? You have to have the weapon, some sort of something in your hand to squeeze and all that. But what if the virtual reality just finds out some sort of helmet or something that can stimulate the parts of your brain? So you're literally like knocked out and you're not, you don't even have to move, but your brain is just going a million miles an hour and it's matched up and you're just sending these electrons and signals and stimuli thum, 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 and you're in it and it would be real. So, have you ever heard of an anime called Sword Art Online? No. What's it called? It's called Sword Art Online. A lot of people talk about it. They, um, acronym acronymize it to sao but i actually just started watching it and that's pretty much the pretty much the plot is like this company creates this like vr technology called nerve gear and it like literally hooks up to like your neural pathways so that you're pretty much like transported directly into a video game in terms of like if you're trying to move your arm like it'll the device will read your neural pathways and it'll move your arm like right. one to one in the game. So you're not actually moving in real life because yeah. it, it intercepts all the, you know, all the electricity or whatever. And, and that's pretty much the concept is people get placed in this game called sword art online. And it turns out the creator of the game is fucking crazy. So he makes it in a way so that you can't leave the game. Like he gets rid of the logout button. Oh shit. And he makes it so that if you try to like if someone in your family tries to take the nerve gear off, it'll basically like fry your brain because like the way the technology works, it's like it uses microwaves to like, you know, read your neural pathways. So it'll basically just like, you know, it'll just like send out a very large microwaving yeah. force or whatever and it'll kill Ding. you if you like if you die in the game, you die in real life type thing. So yeah, yeah. all Dude. these people load into this game on like opening day and the, the creator makes an announcement. And he's like, well, good luck. The only way to get out is to beat the game. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that's, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. That's just like a, a dude, cool that's so much trust, thing, but, but I mean like, but, but that's the, where they're the going. Your thing you were talking about, like that's literally what the, what the plot's based around. It's about around that concept. Dude, more and more people, at least that I hear, especially maybe it's just because of the um, source on that Joe on Joe Rogan's podcast, 
Like they've had people who are talking about um, hacking into your brain in order to get the nerves and restoring vision because they can connect these things because the signals are still there or helping people who are paraplegic and skipping the, I, I guess, finding the area and activating it and the Neuralink with Elon Musk. And like he's had four or five different like legit professors and developers on who all talk this way about hacking into the brain. And you couple that dude with Alexa listening to you. What's going to happen when this thing hacks into your brain? Talk about like information yeah, access. Talk about big brother. Right? I mean. The cool thing about today's day and age. Well, I don't even know if the cool thing is the right way to put it. But something I'm very thankful for is that currently nobody can hear my thoughts. Yeah. That's, that's like the one thing that like isn't being tracked. Cause like I could I could type in a journal in Google Docs I can pretty much any sort of way I want to write about something if it's not on paper or whatever it's all being documented every conversation I have with anybody it's all being tracked but it's like my thoughts you know those are just mine but that might not be true in the future yeah man how <laughs> it's to me it's similar to like the COVID vaccine where I wonder who's gonna be the first couple of people. Like who's just all in and for you, how many people have to do it before you would be all in on something Man, being that's inserted? That's a good question. I don't know how to answer that. That's a really good question. Five of your I friends. Like all of a sudden people are just coming to you. It's the best experience of my life, man. You got to do it. You got to do it. 10 people you trust, 30 people you trust. What's the tipping point? Shit, dude. I don't know if I'll be able to answer that question. I think I think it'll be more obvious when it's like in front of me because if it, if it becomes a thing where it's like you pretty much need to have it, then like I don't have a choice. I yeah. mean, I technically do have a choice, but it's like I could either go like you know isolate myself from society and go live in nature, which honestly sounds pretty desirable, or I could you know keep up with the Joneses and get this whole thing oriented yeah be the mark of the beast type thing <laughs> i mean straight up like <laughs> it freaks dude it freaks me out when i think about how far the iphones come in this short of a time and then if you think about exponential growth and how technology builds and how the stuff that used to take forever like you're saying dude now there's libraries of code so we don't have to piss away time redoing that it's just like copy and paste done it's it the the speed is just gonna be so quick, man. I it, it freaks me out. Yeah, man. That's that's why I'm really excited. I hope I live long enough to see what life will be like when I'm your age. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know if I'll enjoy it, but I'm just looking forward <laughs> to seeing the growth and development. Yeah, man. Well, you're gonna be a millionaire by the time you're my age, dude, because of your stock. Shit, maybe, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I think everyone's going to be a millionaire, to be honest, with all this inflation. Oh, dude, it's so terrible. I don't get it, man. I don't get how I, I – and this actually might be pretty good too with your intelligence. I don't understand how the stock market could keep going up and like the S&P 500 grows on a day where we have – like, yeah, there's like, like the, the, the news that comes out about COVID is getting worse than it's yeah. ever before. Well, the, the stock market the, rockets. Right, and the drop. <laughs> like all so, of a sudden, it's like comedy at this GDP point. drops 33%. It's like, great. 
we're up one and a half percent. You're like, what? <laughs> Who's making money? How? <laughs> it's really crazy, dude. But basically, it's because of you know quantitative easing, which is just a just a fancy term for the Federal Reserve printing money. Yeah. It, um, to to simplify the explanation is the Federal Reserve is printing money and buying stocks. Which like and. Are they? I'm, they're not supposed to be doing that because, like, I don't think Trump is supposed to be able to tell them what to do. <laughs> but well, you, I don't. I don't even know. See, the thing about the Federal Reserve is they're not. It's not controlled by any government. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't know. Like behind the scenes, I could totally, especially if you're, you know, it's your coworkers type of thing, and it's like, so it's like, hey, you gonna help me out? Like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of thing. So it's like, yeah, maybe it's Trump. Maybe Trump's telling people to, you know, print all money. But George Bush more or less did the same thing in the real estate market crash. Like there was a lot of inflation at that in that time. To be honest, I don't. I'm not going to say that any president would do this, but I don't think Trump's especially evil for making this happen. I mean, I definitely just dis- highly disagree with it. But it's like I just don't trust any politicians. I don't know what the fuck would happen, you know, especially when it's like coming up to election year yeah exactly like if you don't if you don't if you know the market is going to like really shit the bed you know you're not going to get elected if that happens so pretty much any politician in their right mind no matter how well they can mask it they're gonna do more or less the same thing and try to you know ensure re-election you know statistics in their favor yeah. It just doesn't match up. Unemployment, 10%. Yes, so they have no jobs or money, but they're definitely buying more stocks. Isn't it like 30%? No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Up 10 10 more percent. That's what I'm saying. And then all of a sudden you're like- It's ridiculous. And you're like, okay, so no one's had money for four months, and yet all these stocks are still in high demand. Oh, it's 11%, but that's still like really high. Like That's like way higher than ever before. 30 million people. Yeah, well, eleven percent would be about like thirty million people. It's probably where you got that number from. But that—that's also one of those like conflicting statistics because they don't measure like if you stop looking for a job, you're no longer unemployed. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if you're yeah. not filling out the paperwork or something like that, it's just it, it's not. They think true unemployment is probably closer to thirty percent. They being whoever they are. I don't even know who they are. I know I've heard it on several places, which all probably come from the same they that I've referred. Yeah, you know, I don't know how it's tracked, but I would just assume it's like whoever's on welfare is on is unemployed. Like if you're if you're if you're receiving unemployment money, you're unemployed. That's probably the way they track it. But I don't know. So, you know, I'm just basically talking out of my ass. It's <laughs> the best way. That's actually the number one premise of a podcast is to typically talk out of your pretty ass. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> no, but yeah, going back to what you were talking about with the this equity markets right now, it's like it's really crazy. Like the recovery that happened, like at I think it was like March fourteenth or, you know, around that date that like the S P crashed, like I don't know how much, but a lot. Dude, like the, the fact that it's recovering this quickly, nothing like this has ever happened. Because like, this is like what incredibly is, unprecedented times. Dude, so I um I followed there was a stock I was in, and this is where I started fucking myself up. I started feeling myself a little bit because everything was great, right? And it was so easy to make money. I discovered dividends. I'm like a crack whore. Um, yeah, free money, right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, that's why they're such so fucking high, such a high percent. 
So um, there was an S&P 500 index, um, IVV, stock price. So yeah. I bought in at one point at like, I think it was like 258, 259 a share, right? It went up to, I think the threes. And it was one of those things where like I'd heard Warren Buffett say, you know, man, if you don't know how to trade, just buy some shares of the S&P 500, set it and forget it. It'll be fine. Yeah. So and that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, I'm, all right, man, I'm in, got in, I'm feeling good. Trump gets impeached and I'm like, oh shit, the market's going to tank. So I sell and trying to anticipate a dip, time a dip, right? Well, whenever you yeah. do that, you're a dipshit. Like they're like, you just, I'm not that guy to time dips. Of course the thing goes and like keeps going up to like yeah. three. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Is that like 320? It was at 333 right before the drop. When it dropped, it went all the way down to 231. So 231, man, and I don't know who would be interested in this. 231 was the price back in 2017. So that thing dropped to its 2017 price. And right now, 327. So yeah. is that 230? <laughs> like Dude, how do you do that when nothing's happening? It's Everything really is shut down and your S&P 500 is back. It's been four months. Amazing. You know, before I started learning more about um, stocks in the stock market, I used to scoff at people who would say like stocks are a scam and it's not a true representation of like uh, economic performance. I used to be like, oh, no, come on. Like, especially like if statistically it's like when the economy hits the fucking bed, when the economy hits the fan, so does the market, you know, but. Now, like, especially with what's happening now, it's like, I completely get it. Like, do you know about, uh, Hertz? Like HTZ is the, is the stock ticker, but Hertz is like a pretty famous company, but they recently filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Hertz car rental. It's like a company that you rent, you rent cars through okay. or whatever. You've probably seen the logo, you know, like. They oh yeah, for sure, dude. OJ, OJ Simpson. They used to advertise with OJ Simpson. Yeah, exactly. But they filed for unemployment or not unemployment, they filed for bankruptcy and their stock price uh, skyrocketed 80% the next morning. Because <laughs> they're more profitable, right? It's No, it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> like, when a company files for bankruptcy, that's, like, I'm not an expert, but that's, a, from a layman's terms, that's basically an understanding of, like, no profits. you know, this company is going to, you know, go out of business soon. Or they're like, you know, they're on... They're on the brink. Yeah. But it, just because of the market we're in currently, it's like Uber did the same thing. It wasn't as dramatic, but Uber, they had to like a couple months back or maybe it was like six weeks ago. Um, they like had to lay off 25% of their workforce because, you know, they're like losing money due to do a quarantine. Right. And then their stock price jumps 8%. Like yeah. upwards. Well, see, I get that more. because you're more profitable. Right, you've shed, you've shed your, uh, what would it be like a liability? When they were, man, I'm trying to look now because I was on Uber at like 22 a share. There was talk about them like getting kicked out of London, and there was like I thought multiple assaults with them, like with their drivers, not the company themselves. And I thought they were going to be banned in cities for unions and all this stuff. And when it dropped to 20, I, it was in the 20s. I was like, man can you get rid of Uber? Are the taxi cabs going to really win? And you know, it pops, I'm looking no, at it now. It, 
pops to 37. But dude, it's back at $30 with Uber Eats and all the delivery stuff. If Uber is not past its initial IPO, like that cannot be a successful company to me. Yeah, you know, uh, to be honest, I really don't know enough by equity markets to speak on this with confidence, but gotcha. I, I kind of get what you're talking about in terms of like, I, I don't know. I can see like analysts being like, okay, this is actually a good thing they're filing for unemployment because you, you revoke all debt on your company if yeah. you file for unemployment or not an unemployment, bankruptcy. But that's so I can kind of get it. But just like in general, that shouldn't happen. Like no. it's not a good thing. It doesn't, it's not good PR when a company files for bankruptcy. Yeah, if anything, you would want a company to do the opposite of that and no, be nowhere close to needing to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, that's how you know a company is doing well is they don't file for bankruptcy. (laughs) But it's just the markets right now. It's just it's just crazy. This whole thing's crazy, especially with airlines. Like, oh man, I should have sold a month ago. I'm looking at Boeing right now. Yeah, Boeing was at like 350 something. Hey, you don't have to rub it in because that's when I bought it. Yeah, so (laughs) I don't blame you, dude. (laughs) I don't blame you. But it was on 350 something on March 12th. And then it dropped all the way down to a low of ninety dollars on the March eighteenth. Yeah, like that's huge. And now it's like recovering, but it's like, it and why way. is it recovering? It shouldn't be recovering. Dude, like it's dude. an American airline company. Like we all the we don't like people are not taking flights right now. Like no, man. Do you remember what was going on? Do you remember what was going on with Boeing pre-pandemic? No. Oh yeah, it was dude, like some, some the fucking really, planes, some controversy. Dude, the planes yeah, were dropping out of the sky, man. <laughs> yeah. Like I everybody was that. like, "You're fucking old. 747's done. Like the, the thing don't work." And, I remember that, dude. And if you look at the tra- <laughs> if you look at like, and I thought it was 2019 ish. That thing didn't dip below 300, and it went back up to 424. And like, so, and here's where I knew Boeing was going to be a stock and I knew I should have got it, but I went with uh, David Portnoy with Spirit Airlines and Delta instead. Oh uh, no, you copy traded Portnoy? Yeah. Well, actually it's worked out. Dude. That's why you said he's a liar. No, no, no. Those were the two stocks that got me in on him. And then I started listening to him more <laughs> and then I'm like, nah, man, he's just nuts. He just happened to, that was a great guess on his call. Um, but Trump actually named Boeing by name in one of his speeches. And that's yeah, when I was like, said, like the CEO of Boeing is a, like a dumbass or something. Yeah. But he all, he ended the speech saying like, we're going to help them out. Yes. Under, and that's when yeah. I was like, Oh dude, their stock's going to come back. It's not going to matter. Like somehow they're going to get bailed out or something. But yeah, that's the crazy thing, dude. You're, you can have multiple planes drop off. You can shut down factories. You can halt production. You can ground your entire fleet and your stocks stay the same. If not go up. Yeah, it's that's why Portnoy is like the stocks only go only up. go up. There's only one rule, <laughs> which is like it's not really true because that's that's how you like lose all your money in the stock market. But I mean, to be completely honest, if you look at like a graph of anti-inflation inflationary assets like precious metals and stuff, like long term, if you invest in the SPY or S and P five hundred, it's really going to only go up just because of inflation. Like it's. It's going to go up in price even if everything remains like the same value because like money will become less valuable, you know. So there's like some truth in that. But speaking on Dave Portnoy, I, I do have to – I didn't mention this when we were talking before it was recording, but 
I think the reason he's like so he's gotten into stock so crazily was originally because all the all sports were canceled for a minute, and he's like a sports gambler. Like right. that's where a lot of uh, bar school got their start is from like analyzing sports and like sports gambling and stuff like that, like sports betting. Yeah, so yeah. when sports weren't a thing, he was like needed to get his fix, so he started trading stocks, and that's why he's like. Fuck it, I'll throw two million into Boeing. Like you know, whatever. Like Dude. blah blah blah. It's I didn't know I didn't know that about him though. That he started off with the sports betting angle. I thought it was more like yeah. risque sports stuff because ESPN tried to partner up with him, and it lasted like a day. And ESPN was like, "Wait, they just verbally assaulted." I, it was like they, I thought there were some lewd comments towards the females or something like that. And ESPN was they're, like, "Day they're one, pretty, like off. They're pretty like off the wall. Like they pretty much just say whatever they want, right?" But. That's that's part of the appeal, I think. Yeah. I don't know if they're sexist, but I think a lot. I think depending on the things that they've said, you could, you know, if you were like uh, MSNBC or, Fo- or Fox News or whatever, you could string it that way if you wanted to, and it's been strung that way before. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, have you ever tried doing the sports betting thing? I feel like the sports no, betting algorithm-wise. I want to start because I have a few friends that I know that are like really into it and. I used to do it like on a very small scale, like just between like a couple, a couple friends or whatever when I was at university. And I enjoy doing it, not even because I'm trying to make money, but it just makes like watching the sports game like that much more exciting. Like oh, it's like absolutely. it's like I'm paying a fee to enjoy the game more. You know? <laughs> That's a great way to put it. <laughs> but it's so true. What um what makes sport? me analyze the game and think like oh Russell should have like taken the pocket right there and I'm like trying to control where the game's going and I'm like I'm paying like five hundred times more attention than I normally would hyper and like, hyper. just being the guy I am you know like I like sports so it's like I already pay attention but if I there's like money on the line it's like my heart is beating like <laughs> what kind you of you know how it is oh dude yeah what kind of betting did you get into. Like single game oh, I, stuff, or did I'm you just, go nuts? I'm just talking about like literally just with my friends. It's like, yeah, I got five dollars on Patriots, and it's like, okay, got you. But I never really like, I haven't really gotten into it like how you know sports betters get into it. But I've been thinking about it. Not gonna lie, I know one guy I'm friends with on Twitter that um, he's like really into it. So he pretty much just like posts like his sports bets or whatever, like and you know tells people about it and. I was thinking about just like copying him and just having fun with it and seeing what goes with it because he actually makes like pretty good money doing it, which is something that really kind of mystifies me. It's like being a I, – I see a lot of similarities between like being a professional sports gambler and being like a professional trader or a professional poker player or whatever. It's all about it's all about risk management and stuff yeah. like that. But for its eye, it's – it mystifies me the most because it's like, man, it's like statistics really like they're really that reliable. You can make an entire career out of it. Like, well, because it's the it's the payoffs, man. If you can find something, I guess there's two ways from the people I've heard speak about it. And they're they're starting to get hired because they analyze analytics so well. Professional teams are now hiring them to find trends in other players that can be exploited, at least basketball wise. Um but I mean, you parlay three, four games, you can get 10 to one odds pretty quickly where you're feeling comfortable, you know? And, right. and it's like, and that's very hard for a stock to go up 10 times. 
you know, so the bankroll is such, it, you just don't need as much of a bankroll to flip that profit. Or then you right. just get the slow grinder of, I put in a hundred, I'll make 90. So I'm clearing 110, you know, like a minus 110. Right. And it's like, it, you can chip away and then you can combine. And if you lose on your chip aways, or if you hit one combined, you're like, oh shit, I just got mine and then some. Right. Uh, but no, it's, I can see it. I think I'm definitely... Um, you know, I'm definitely going to get into it pretty soon. I've been thinking about it just because, because of what I've already mentioned, but what you were, what you talked about is really interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. It, if, if you're a numbers person, it's so easy to go off the deep end on it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Did you play sports growing up? So I played football, um, up until high school. I did play I did play football uh, freshman and sophomore year, but I'm five six, so I'm, gonna have, <laughs> I'm not gonna have any. I have no future in football, you know, and I knew that, but I just enjoyed playing. But I kind of stopped when in like the varsity, when the varsity thing started coming around. It's like one, I'm not I'm not passionate enough about it to put all this work into it, and two, I'm pretty short, and that's pretty it's pretty hard to be good at football if you're under you know. If you're not even five five eight, yeah. But, um, I did do wrestling in high school, like all four years, and I really enjoyed that. I played all kinds of sports growing up. I'm not the most athletic guy, but I've always enjoyed playing sports. You know. What was your weight class in wrestling? So I I floated around between like one thirty and one fifty, depending oh, on how in shape I was. Right, dude. Wrestlers. I mean, you talk about to me the craziest motherfuckers in high school are wrestlers, man. To get out there speedo-wise, the dedication that it takes to always try to Making weight drop too. weight. Like, oh, man, I would I would lose like five to six pounds like every weight, get, weight day practice, which is like all water weight too, you know? Like you show up to practice in like multiple layers of clothing, throw a sweatshirt on too. It's like work, you're working out for two hours straight and you don't take any water breaks because you're trying to lose as much water weight as you can so you can make weight at the end of practice <laughs> it's pretty crazy no yeah they're they're so dedicated um yeah and especially they're just so dedicated at a time in your life where just it's so hard to be dedicated in high school <laughs> that's, yeah that's what amazes I've heard me. the comparison that like wrestling and boxing are like the hardest workouts in terms of sports yeah i would Never, I have not done either, but just seeing people who do them. And then again, I've coached, I coach basketball, I be around football and you just watch what they're doing. You're like, dude, it ain't like you get a break every couple seconds and <laughs> in most sports and yeah, wrestling and boxing. So like, you gotta be really in shape for that, but it's really cool how it's like, you know, two second sprints every 10 seconds, basically. Yeah. What, um, what was the highlight of your wrestling career? You had to have done something that was spectacular. So I was really never that good. Um, <laughs> I was I wasn't I wasn't bad. I was pretty bad my first year. I kind of ended like senior year being like average. I remember I finished senior year being like fourteen and thirteen, which is like not good by any means. Like good wrestlers are like you know twenty two and two. Yeah, they're getting shit. close to that hundred pin or yeah. hundred wins. But like for for my own standards, it was like you know okay, I've improved, especially from like not winning a single match freshman year. But this, I don't even know if this exactly qualifies. I've had a few close matches that I've ended up getting the victory in, which you know, for my own personal thing, I'm happy about. But 
I had this really close match sophomore year with this guy, and it was like in tournament. It was like we were in losers bracket, and it was like the last, you know, like if you lose, you're done. And it was like if you win, you make at least third place. So oh, it's like yeah. if you win, you get a medal. If you lose, you're out. And it was like a really close match. Like it went out, went in the overtime and all that. I ended up winning it by like one point. Like it was just a really close match, right? But so yeah. it was really cool. Um, you know, made me feel good or whatever. And then I actually met up with that guy just completely by chance um, at Michigan State later, like a few years later. Cause, and the reason I, the reason we met is actually because we were in the same English class. Of course, I didn't like recognize him, but we, we had to, you know, present our papers on whatever topic it was. And it was about like, I don't even know. I don't remember the topic exactly, but I wrote, I wrote it about wrestling. I wrote about, about my wrestling career and actually it's more specifically about how my wrestling coach is a shitty coach. <laughs> just really? talking about, just talking about how like it was, it was hard for me to um, take my wrestling career seriously with like a coach that I thought was a joke. And, you know, I mean, to be completely honest, it's more or less excuses. If I was really passionate about wrestling, it wouldn't matter. But, yeah. you know, it was, just, it was just some bullshit paper I wrote in undergrad, right? Um, and he he came up to me, like, after after class, and he's like, yo, like, which school did you wrestle for? And I'm like, you know, insert school here. And he was like, oh, do you remember the, me? We had that really close match sophomore year. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was crazy. And then we actually became friends. Um, I lost his phone number, so unfortunately I'm not in contact with him anymore. But yeah, that was really cool. Like we became really good friends. Yeah, there, there's that mutual respect of combat, man. You yeah, know, when, when you battle, like you, sometimes you can feel. And wrestling, I think, is more so than some other sports because it's a lot of times it's easy to say that like the referees cheat you in basketball with fouls, football with penalties, whatever. But and I know wrestling, there is like some shenanigans that can happen with a referee quick counting and stuff. But typically dudes, when you get on the mat, like, you know, if that guy got you or, you know, if you got that guy. Yeah, no, it's, it's very like, you know, it's very intense and, you know, a better player wins like every time, you know, even if, if you guys are close matched and someone barely makes it out, it's like they, you know, they want, they perform better. Like it's well-deserved every yeah. time compared to like i don't know baseball where like shit can happen sometimes like yeah a pitcher calls. starts throwing and gives up like eight eight runs in an inning or something yeah but they're like a really good team and they lose to like you know the 16 seed that sort of thing happens but not really with wrestling did you have wrestling, like, a... like it's like boxing you know it's like you're not gonna have like some like shitty boxer beat like the world champion it just doesn't happen yeah unless the world champ just decides not to train like a world champ <laughs> yeah i mean you know maybe maybe that could happen but like you know like did you see that the recent um boxing match between the the world champion of the women's i think it's like i'm looking up her name i did not you know i can't even nope. it's still weird for me to watch women in mma man it's hard for me to sit there and watch them just Pound. There was that one girl in MMA, her forehead swelled up like three times its size. And I was just like, oh God, that just looked like, I feel guilty if I enjoy it, where I don't feel the same kind of way if I enjoy watching some dude beat the crap out of another dude. Like I'm absolutely okay with that. But um, it still makes me uncomfortable to watch a female just get bludgeoned. 
Honestly, I enjoy it. I enjoy it just <laughs> as much as male male UFC or whatever. Right. And I guess they fought for that right for people to enjoy it, you know? But I, I don't I can't explain why, man. I just doesn't sit right with me the afterwards, like the afterthought of the pain, the scarring. I don't know. I just like seeing people get fucked up. Like, I don't know. That's not the really the right way to put it because I like seeing good matches. But there's, like you said about fighting, like there's just something like so, I think. Uh, primal, man. Primal. Like just Darwin, Darwinistically and like animalistically attractive about like, you know, watching fights and stuff like that. Like not even from like a, I like to see people get beat up perspective just in terms of like, you know it's really like a chess match. Like it's cool to watch. Well, and I was about to ask you, man, just knowing a little bit about how your mind works and you seem super analytical wrestling can kind of be that way where if you learn those techniques, I guess it's somewhat like, and I don't do jujitsu, but from what I hear again, it's, you know, like every move can kind of have a counter if you know enough of the counters. Yeah, no, it's exactly like that. Um, and so, I think a lot of it comes down to like, you know, like reading what people are going to do and reacting. So if it's like, you can get like data on somebody and you can know, it's like, okay, this guy really likes to do a, a double leg takedown every time. So you can like prepare for it and, you know, just be ready with the proper counter for when it happens or like, there's certain tells that different people have. So there can be stuff like, oh, okay. So he raises his arm like this every time before he, you know, tries to take me down. So it's like, you see him raise his arm and then you just automatically know what's going to happen. And I'm sure that's, that kind of, that kind of thing is very similar to wrestling or boxing or pretty much all sports really. But I think boxing is a good example because it's like people just have tells and habits and stuff like that. Different play styles. So how was your technique in high school? Or is that why you said your coach was shitty? Because you didn't walk away with the technique. <laughs> no, I mean, it was all right. Um, to be honest, I really never got good enough at the sport to be able to tell you I had like a distinct style. I just kind of, you know, tried what worked for me. Like, I think I think that becomes more apparent when you become better at the sport. It becomes more more important in terms of like, you know, specializations or like, you know, what you like to do, what you don't like to do, how you like to score points, you know, stuff like that. Cause there's different ways to do it. Um, yeah. But, Were you, you know, I was like, never really good enough at the sport to speak, speak on it with confidence. Gotcha. And I, I have spoken to some wrestlers that are kind of like those dicks that when they know they can beat a guy, they won't pin them right away. They kind of just keep toying with them and just yeah, like, no, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't you know you can really torture somebody on the mat if you want to yeah man and i'm like dude that's just so why don't you just pin him and put him out of his misery and they're like what's the fun in that and you're like you're a psycho yeah man. No, you're a psycho. i would do that if i was in their position that's would, part of it would you really i don't know maybe maybe not i mean sometimes <laughs> it's fun to play with your food but it's also <laughs> just good to secure a victory i don't know to, i don't really know I don't know. If I was, if I was more, if I was more into it at the time, I'd be able to speak on it better. Right. But I, I can understand both sides of it. Like I can understand the people that are like, you know, I respect every opponent I face and it's like, you know, I'm just here to get, get my job done and go home. And then there's other people that are like, you know, really get their ego involved into it and they get very emotional about it. Man. I, I get both sides. Yeah. And you're, 
you're kind of right because most people think they'll be away until they're in that position and then their mind frame changes. Yeah, dude. You know, I've never and been. It's like, that's why I can't really speak on it because I just don't know how I'll behave when I have like that power. Yeah, I, I feel like it would go straight to my head and I'd be the biggest jerk in the world, dude. If I was just like yoked and dominant like that, I'd just be trying to put on a show. I think I would be so, that jerk. I also play like fighting games. Like I, um, I'm pretty damn into like Super Smash Bros. Melee, which is pretty damn similar to like Street Fighter or you know whatever. And that's it's it's really similar in terms of uh, like what we're talking about because you can really just like okay, I'm just gonna beat this guy quickly. But if you know he's bad, you can just start like messing around with them, and it's there's something very satisfying about doing that. So <laughs> I get it. I do both. I think it just depends on the mood I'm in. How pissy do people get? Video? I feel like video game wise, people get way more emotional because they're not having like they're not physically tired if they were getting beat. And I think your video game emotions can get way out of hand and way dramatic. Am I off yeah, with that? Yeah, especially talking about internet personalities, people really develop like an alternate persona when they're playing video games. Like some, it just you know, everyone varies. Like there are some people. Like the way I approach it is like I don't care like if I if I lose or win like of course I'm trying to win but you know my ego is more or less disattached from the outcome like I just I'm looking to improve and have a good time um uh, to be honest ideally I'd want to play someone that would destroy me every time but the thing is those people they don't want to play you all the time because they want to play people that are better than them so that they can be they can improve but right. you know ideally I want to play someone that beats the shit out of me every game because that's how you improve the quickest but other people get really emotional about it um one thing i will say about the fgc which is uh stands for the fighting game community is that i've noticed a trend of a lot of people that get into like fighting games don't know how to fight like a lot of people that don't know how to fight really like fighting games so wait you mean like don't know how to fight in real life yeah <laughs> I think psychologically that would speak for itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How'd you notice that? Just from going to tournaments. I used to go to local tournaments and stuff. And, oh. you know, I mean, going to gaming conventions and going to gaming tournaments or whatever, I mean, you're going to expect to, like, see a lot of, like, gamer type people. But stereotypical. Wow. It's, it's incredible. I mean, you know, I, there are plenty of different people that play video games like tons of people but people that you know they're incredibly passionate about it that revolve their lives around it you know there's certain stereotypes that are true about a lot of people you know uh, like i used to go to local local melee tournaments and i would i remember this one guy i ran into in tournament a few times that he was like in his like mid-30s and he would show up in like a full gray sweatpants that looks like he hasn't showered in three days like every time <laughs> and he would wear like the biggest dad shoes possible and his hair was all matted up and stuff and his mom was with him <laughs> like she would be like walking with him everywhere and i remember whenever i would play him in tournament his mom would stand right behind us and cheer him on like every time <laughs> she would start like talking shit to me and stuff. Like if I'm losing or whatever, and I'm just like some 18 year old kid, you know, <laughs> Stop, dude, she would talk shit to you. Stop. Yeah, dude. Like, like she wouldn't be doing it directly, but it's just like that sports mom type thing where it's like, yeah, beat their ass, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? 
Do you remember There's the a lot of characters? I was gonna. Do you remember? Did the guy go by like a gamer name, or did he just like? I don't Dave? remember his tag, but yeah, everyone goes by a tag. Yeah, I mean, right. some some people go by their names, but it's not common. Most people are like Mango, or you know, uh, just some random name. Mama's you know? boy, Mama's boy forever. Yeah. Mama's boy. <laughs> dude and what was the battle like like did he get the best of i, I guess i should ask so oh, you he saw was him... so good he's so much better than me really god. oh my god yeah dude it's so good the thing about melee especially is melee has so to briefly describe like super smash bros as like an actual competitive game is like it's never was intended to be a competitive game compared to things like street fighter or tekken or mortal Kombat. It was con- intended to be like a party game. So, like, the creator of Super Smash Bros. has always disliked the fighting game community. So, really? Melee is the one, yeah. Melee is the one that came out in 2001 for the Nintendo GameCube. And just like by basically coincidence, it turned out to be the most. Like, it's. This is a controversial opinion if you were to talk to like different Smashers, but it's. It's the best fighting game for you know super smash bros it's the one that fits the best for fighting it's it's just the best fighting game um what makes it the best the, the games so it's the fastest game and it's the most technical um it's the least limiting like you have the most freedom over movement and it's the it's the deepest game in terms of like combo game and how you want to do different things and i don't know it's just the most complex and you know, a free game in terms of movement. And then, so right immediately after Melee came out was Super Smash Bros. Brawl. And Super Smash Bros. Brawl, they basically took everything that happened with Melee and went the opposite way. So in Melee, all the characters move pretty fast. They fall pretty fast. So combos can go on pretty long. You can't get out of combos. But, you know, in Brawl, it's like everyone's really floaty and moves really slowly. And they can't really move that quickly. And then it's like there's a lot of different um, lag that happens on different moves. And it's just really like they literally did everything Melee had and just moved it in the opposite direction. Um, if you're going to if you're gonna play the game casually, they're all fun. And you really wouldn't be able to tell. I mean, you'll be able to tell the difference in terms of how it feels. But it really doesn't matter if you're playing it like how the game was intended. Which is like, oh, I'm going to play Mario. And some other guys say, okay, I'm going to play Bowser. And you know, you get drunk and play or whatever. Like, it's it's a fun game, but... Um, yeah, Melee was just, like, coincidentally the best. And it came out in 2001, which is a long time ago. So, sure. I don't remember where I was exactly going with this, but it's like... <laughs> it, oh, yeah, I was talking about... We were talking about that 30-year-old guy. Yeah. So there's a lot of players in Melee that are, like, have been playing the game for, like, five-plus years or, like, more. Like, a long time. So it's it's pretty hard to get into if you want to like get into it and play well compared to other games where it's not even talking about a Smash, just like all kinds of games. Like, like there aren't people that haven't been playing have been playing for eight years. It's not as common, but in Melee, it's like uncommon if you haven't been playing for that long. So huh. I would go to tournaments and just get washed like every time. But that that's part of why I love the game so much because like the standard of play is like so high. Like it's it's incredibly difficult, and I really appreciate it. When you go to the tournaments, do you get to pick? Like, can you have the same character against the same character? Yeah, 
Okay, so you sure. get to pick your character. It's not like a random draw to like test your skill, or is that like part of no. the fun too? Well, I mean, there's different like um, there's different like brackets, like different ways of going about it. But I mean, the the main focus is just like who's the best at the game. You know, you can pick any character; it doesn't matter who's the best at the game. Gotcha. You can have the same character versus the same character. You can play five different characters. You can play different characters. Depends on which player you're playing because you're like, well, I like this matchup better against this guy because of whatever reason. Yeah, right? Like but, who hits enter you know, first, right? Yeah, it starts it's to get like, like a who's mind the best game. at the game. That's really all that matters. And who do you like character-wise? I like Falco. I'm a Falco main. I play Falco. Falco? You're making me Google so much the, shit, man. Um, What is it? He's part of the Star Fox Oh, I remember Star Fox. Falco is like Fox's buddy. Fox yeah. is also really good, but I'm not as good as him. Got not as good with him, but yeah, Falco is like Fox's like main guy and next to like the frog named Slippy or whatever. God. And who is who is Mama Boy Forever's character that his um, mom had the tattoo of? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he played Marth. Um, and Marth is from Fire Emblem, is that the name? Man, I so... yeah, it's Fire Emblem, which is like it's like a Japanese uh like role playing game. It's a Japanese RPG about like sword fighters. And so you're going to the tournaments more for fun. How much does it cost? Oh, it's like a five dollar entry. Oh, that's and it. If you win, you get like fifty bucks. Yeah, I mean it's it's not about the money. Yeah, especially right. in melee, there's really not that much money involved in melee. There's other fighting games, like, if you really get good at it, you can make, like, you know, you can make a living out of it. And there are people, like, top players in Melee, like, maybe the top five, top ten people, they do it full-time. But, you know, anyone below that, it's, like, it's just, it's not about the money. You know, it's just something, it's just a hobby. And did anything ever get to the point where people were, like, physically throwing down with each other? Because they're just so hyped or they're so upset? (laughs) That happens. I mean, it's not it's not common because again, it's like a bunch of gamers. So, you know, people aren't like uh, athletically inclined to do anything. But yeah, you know, it happens. People get mad at each other, have beef, and yell at each other. I could but, just you know, it's just a bunch of people living in their mom's basements, like arguing. So you can kind of understand what what it looks like. Yeah, I'm like wondering, just like remotes getting thrown at people, or like <laughs> shoes getting taken off. You know, like tables getting flipped. And then, like, they just pout, walk away, and you're like, it's $5, man. You just lost $5. It's okay. (laughs) I can't believe dude had a mom behind him and cheer. Like, that poor lady. God bless that lady. Yeah, Um, I know, man. Like, such a a loving mother, dude. But, holy shit. Like, that has scarred me forever. It, it scarred and inspired i would hope <laughs> yeah you know i mean it's like like i said with my mentality like i'm more disattached like i'm just looking to improve and, ha- and have play good games and stuff i really enjoy it when i get like when i get destroyed because like that's how you get better right. it's the fastest way to improve is to like get your ass beat you know pretty much in anything really play better people than you yeah but um yeah man it's definitely like it's always very humbling <laughs> And you're playing that especially when you play people that aren't into it, you know. It's like if I was gonna play anybody that's really not into it, like it's you know, I don't have to think about it. It's no problem, but it's just always very humbling. It's the same thing with everything really. Like I I I play chess too and 
what I, I always tell people when they ask me if I'm good, and it's like, well, I'm good to people that don't take the game seriously, but if you're going to talk to a chess player, I'm bad. You know? And I am a chess player, but I'm not good Now of that standard. But the, if we were to play and you don't play chess, I would destroy you, no problem. You know the, what I mean? There's a philosophy that I battle with with this chess thing, and I'm almost – it's kind of reminding me of the coding. I hate people who say they play chess, and I'm, it's a very ignorant stance, who say they are chess players, but they do preordained combos that give you advantages. Like they're scripted. That really bothers me, and I don't so know do why. You, do you play chess? Yeah, I mean, I well, I know how to play chess. Yeah. But I don't have, I've never, I remember one time I was, um, I forget what happened. One of my boys came over and I just looked up like how to put someone in checkmate in like four moves or three moves or something, right? Like so yeah. if they basically like move one pawn this way or if they put a rook this way, it's like – or the knight goes here. You're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to use this combo. And it worked like six times in a row and he's losing his fucking mind. <laughs> and then by the end, I'm like, dude, I just Googled how to put someone in checkmate. And he was like, you fucking cheater. And like so – like he felt betrayed. Do you know what I'm saying? He's like, so it wasn't you. It was the, the, the strategy. And that kind of stuck with me. And I'm like, I guess that – I guess I feel that way. You know, that's actually a, a big complaint in um, the chess community right now. Like playing chess at a top level, like if you're like a top player, pretty much the first 30 moves is like all memorization. And yeah, that's, that's why it goes so quick, right? Yeah, that's why that's what? why they're hitting that clock so quick because they don't have to think. They just are like preordained, 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 yeah, they, scripted. They just they have memorized openings and memorized different lines, and they just know like if he plays this move, I've spent hours at the board and also just looking online or whatever, analyzing the position. So they just know preemptively because they recognize the position, what move to play. You know, like the first thirty moves are like. The game's been out for like hundreds upon hundreds of years. It's such an incredibly old game. So there's a lot of history behind it and a lot of theory crafting that has been going on for a long time for that game. So a lot of it's very well documented. So if you're going to take the game like seriously, I mean, I don't have all the stuff stuff memorized, but when I play chess online, you know, sometimes like I'll be throwing out moves like the first five, ten moves. It's like I don't have to think about it. And then he does something I don't. I don't recognize and then I have to think about it, you know, that's one of the biggest complaints about competitive chess right now is it's like, it's pretty silly because it's like, it's not what chess is really about. You know, it's like you're memorizing a bunch of shit. That, like, that was my thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's to me, it actually takes the thinking out of it. Um, because you're, you're not considering anything except for your scripted reaction. I don't know. It's I, I just, but at the same time, you've memorized so much to know how to react five different ways that will lead to the most likely outcome of being checkmate. Like there's some respect in there intellectually, but I just, I can't get past me. I just feel like it's a cheat. If you've studied a book and you just know different people's moves. Yeah, no, I, I completely get but, you. But I wouldn't say the uh, same thing about cool. karate. Like, if you came at me and yeah, I knew, exactly, like, right? Like, I mean, if I'm hitting you with a whatever, wrestling would be the same way. Like, there's there's something to be said about being able to apply the theory that you've learned. 
Yeah, that's um speaking on that topic, I think chess is a it's a very excellent game for a lot of different reasons. But I think more than anything else, it's an excellent metaphor for life, like in so many different ways. And you know, like that that concept that we're talking about with chess, like you said with karate and wrestling or boxing or whatever, it's like it's just you know, that's just part of it. Like if you're gonna play against a professional boxer, if you, you know, try to hit them in a certain way or whatever they just have the so much experience yeah with those they combos just, they can just autopilot you know and they just know how to do it like they know how to counter whatever you're doing and it's not like thought that goes into it it's just experience that beats you out you could really you could really apply that to like pretty much every everything that's skill-based in life if you want to become good at it there's just it's just like that Man, so give me a chess. I'm actually teaching my 10-year-old daughter to play, although we haven't looked up any moves because I think she would just spend it and then I'm spend time learning them, and I think she would and beat then, me. And yeah, that's how it goes. She'll probably get better than you if she starts actually playing it. Yeah, well, I mean, she's she's decent. I'll sneak up on her with a pawn every now and again, and I make her do push-ups because <laughs> um, I'm like, dude, you can't lose. Like, if, if, if you let me take your piece with a pawn and you didn't, like, set me up in some way, if I – one time I got her queen with a pawn, dude, and I was like, child, never again. You cannot be that child. How are you going to lose your queen to a pawn? But let me get – do you have – is there a move that you can explain that's just like a real simple try this the next time you play with your kid? Um, or like a set, I guess. Uh, it wouldn't just be a singular move. So I – this isn't exactly accurate to what you're describing, but if I'm going to try to explain like – how to how to play chess well to anybody it's there's three things that you want to focus on and like when you're when you start the game out there's you have three objectives right and the fir- like the first objective is to try to control the the center so there's four squares in the center you you want to have as much pressure on those squares as possible the second the second goal is development so you want to get your pieces out on the board and have them active because you know if your rook or your bishop or your knight or queen or whatever is just sitting in the back rank not doing anything that's pretty much the same thing as not having that piece on the board like you want to get all your all of your you know militia involved you know because you want the most firepower possible and the third thing to focus on is king safety so you want to make sure your king is safe and pretty much if you just like focus on those three things Pretty much whoever, like, uh, you know, has the most dominant aspect out of those three things combined wins the game. Where do you st- – what's the move where you swap the king and the rook? Is that knight castling. Yeah, castling. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I had to look that thing up. I'd heard about it and then I forgot. And um, my daughter actually had me almost in checkmate. She thought she had me in checkmate. I was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, nah, dude, I think I got this move. And we looked it up. And I felt, again, dirty. I felt like I was cheating, and she couldn't deal with it. You know, I mean, you can feel like that if you want, but I don't know. I have a different mentality because it's just like this is the game. Yeah, it's a rule, right? Yeah, I know I beat you cheap this game, but it's like it's just, you know, this is chess. Like if you want to actually like play chess, like you you have to be prepared for this sort of thing, you know, no matter what kind of. You know, like I said, applying it to all sorts of life. There's tons of like cheap ways to to win, or, you know, like, to gain an advantage in all different kinds of fields. But it's like you just have to, you know, keep up with the Joneses, man, and like 
stay stay up with the times and be ready. Do you do the thing? And this this is like my daughter's one objective is to get a pawn all the way so that she can turn it into another piece. Yeah, um, that's very important too. Uh, pawn <laughs> advancement. Well, pawns are really good because you can like really maintain a lot of space. You can like control a lot of space with pawns. Right. Because like pretty much every piece except for pawns is more valuable than pawns are. So in a way, like you know, the pawn is like quote unquote the weakest piece on the board, right? But because they're the weakest piece on the board, it makes it's it's arguable, but they're arguably the most powerful piece on the board because they're so weak. Because it's like you don't want you can't trade with them. You can't trade pawns so easily because they're pawns. You know, so it's like they have a lot of power just over the fact that it's like, okay, if you take this, you know, I'll just take your piece back so you can gain a lot of you can gain a lot of space with them and just especially when it comes down to the end game. So like there's three phases of a chess match. There's like the opening, there's the mid game, middle game, and then there's the end game. And the opening is like when you want to focus on those three things is, you know, you want to get development, control the center and protect, protect your King, making sure he doesn't get checkmated. Um, and then once that happens, then the middle game is a thing, and that's when you you know you want to try to execute and gain further advantage, and you know win pieces or checkmate the opponent or whatever, right? And then the end game is what happens when all the pieces are traded off the board, and it's just like an open board. So it's like there's a bishop and two pawns with the king versus you know the opponent, which has whatever pieces. The one but, knight. Got so it. yeah, like having having your pawns like further advanced towards the end game it gives you a big advantage because when you're in the end game the main focus is it's always checkmating your opponent but the main focus in general is to try to get your pawns to the end of the board to make a queen because then it's game over yeah if you make a queen you know yeah 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 and then she's gotten into the habit of she just always loves doing the horse first because she gets a kick out of the knight jumping like yeah knights are tricky it, it's the go-to for her. She loves it. I hate I hate the knights, dude. I, I can't use them effectively at all. I, and they, they do, like, they hit such odd spaces. You can set some nice little traps with them. But I just feel like I don't utilize them enough. Yeah, man. Chess is, uh, man, chess is complicated, like, to put it simply. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, really, it's really something you can dedicate your entire life to. And you won't even realize it, you know, like you can, I think it's, it's set in, it's set in like chess. I, I don't remember which grandmaster, which like historically like famous grandmaster said this, but I'm going to be paraphrasing. But what he basically said is that, no, I think this was actually Einstein that said this, but he said, um, dedicating like professional, if you become very good at chess, it's a waste of life. <laughs> the, the paraphrased quote but it's true you know because you have to be really smart to do it but it's like at the end of the day it's just like some silly game so it's like you can be a chess expert but it's like man what if you apply to that work ethic to like trying to cure cancer you know yeah like, man like some... think about the value you, you could provide to society in so many different ways god that's so true and at the same time, it's it is really amazing how chess is just symbolic of intellect, and um, a lot of times it's really just memorization and, and copying. You know, 
I think it, I think there's there's it's a barrier to entry in that terms in terms of skill level. Like if you're playing against someone significantly better than you, they even someone like me, like I can play, especially someone like me. Um, I'm like more or less average, uh, according to chess players. Like if you were to, you know, looking at the chess community, like people that actually play chess, I'm more or less average, maybe a little bit below average, but, but, um, playing someone better than me, it's like they could, every single move I could play against them will be premeditated because they just know the line and they just know the best lines. And like, there are some lines out there that are really tricky. That's just like, if you don't have the theory crafted, like preemptively, it's really, really difficult to play the line correctly compared to someone who knows the line so they know the best moves that are really tricky to find out the best move to, best counter to, you know, whatever. So there are big, there are games I could play against someone and they just destroy me. And it's like, it's just the barrier to entry, you know, and it, it just becomes more and more apparent as you become better and better at the game. More of the game is just memorization yeah it's every single time every single time it it always reaches a point where it's no longer memorization and then the game like really starts yeah so you can only prepare so much and then there's also like you there's also moves that are like theoretically bad that like players will play on purpose just to get out of theory you know because like a lot of good players will play only strictly theory and it's like He's really good at this line or whatever. So if you're playing against someone and you see that line starting to develop, you can play a move that by the book is theoretically bad, but it's not bad in the game because it's like it just gets everyone out of their comfort zone and right. then like, you know, the chess game actually starts. Like so that always happens. Like it's incredibly rare that an entire game is completely theorized and even amongst top players, like when top players are playing if someone has like a line and it's completely like they theory crafted it before the game, that's still like part of the victory because it's like when you're coming up to face opponents, if you're a top player, you do a lot of like theory crafting on their past games. So you prepare certain openings for certain, you know, things that they like to do or whatever. So a lot of the victory happens like, you know, off the board because it's just about like, beating your opponent analyzing your opponent and just you know stacking your deck of cards you know to out to beat their hand sort of thing man it's if that makes sense no yeah and it 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 absolutely does and it's funny you mentioned cards because i was thinking this i had a um professional poker player on the podcast a female professional poker player uh jillian and the episode hasn't posted yet but she was talking about um poker in the sense like it's so much more exciting than chess because chess is just all this you know the outcome you know the outcome oh, did she play know. chess too yeah she said she didn't oh. get into it because she enjoyed having to figure out with like partial truths of poker with the limited information and then also the bluffing aspect of it was so much more entertaining which made it intellectually stimulating but fun and chess was yeah, kind of like a little really cool yeah, kind of like a little bore. And I'm wondering, dude, are you destined to then also now get into poker if I'm putting your personality together? I, f- dude, I, feel, okay, I feel like so there's a lot of truth in what you're saying because it's very – there's a saying amongst like chess players, like especially good chess players, that like chess and poker are very similar. And to be honest, I really don't understand why. 
I'm not. I'm not. I've been getting into poker since quarantine. It's all probabilities, man. Nearly, it's yeah, percentages kind of, and probabilities. To be honest, I'm really just not good enough at poker to be able to explain why, and I've always wondered why. But there are like a few professional poker players out there that were like, yeah, I was like a really good at chess and then there's no money in it. So I started playing poker and now here I am at the World Poker Tour final table. You know, I make a cool two million a year playing poker. Right. Yeah, they get sponsors and bankrolls. It was pretty crazy talking to her about how and she was telling me like Twitch is helping so much. You play online and you just get to do stupid things and have a personality and like make money. Like people yeah. stream watch you and you're like, what? She's like, yeah, it's a big thing. <laughs> oh, it's huge. It's huge. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. But so I she's think, a professional poker player? Yeah. Um, Jillian no, I'm Epps. Looking, I'm looking forward to listening to that. Yeah, it was uh, it, pretty neat. And she definitely has the dopest pictures of anyone on the pod because it was like professional. She has a photographer on, um, on salary that she goes once a month like update, man. I was, um, again, like imposter syndrome when she like said she would come on. I'm like, do you realize what I am? <laughs> but love to have you on. Thanks. <laughs> it's probably because she was Canadian. Canadians are the nicest people I've seen. So nice. Too. They so just, they people. do. If you can get them, they'll say yes. But I, I love the, I like, I like the aspect where you can screw with your opponent playing cards and get in their head. And they feel like chess is either moving too quick or the reactions happen too much or that, you wouldn't be able to. I don't know if you could talk smack and try to have to like read body language. <laughs> okay, try to go try to go to a, a chess park in New York and have that same opinion. Oh yeah. There's plenty of plenty of people. Oh yeah. Like there's plenty of people that in not only New York, but New York's the best example of it that like plenty of like uh trash talkers, like chess trash talkers that they will just like sit up at a table and just do like okay, five dollar games and they'll like, you know, make it relatively relatively good amount of money just because they're really good and especially at those tables like it's no, they notoriously talk shit huh so yeah. there's definitely that competitive aspect and i i can see kind of the similarities but you know i mean there's definitely a huge part of chess of like getting in your opponent's game and i think it applies to all games um all sports and games and everything you know like even just companies competing with each other Right. Not really, but you know, whatever. All all forms of competition. There's a, a huge aspect of it is recognizing your your opponent's rhythm and recognizing you know like what they like to do to get into their rhythm and trying to disrupt it. You know, trying to get them out of the comfort zone, trying to make them you know hesitate or you know question themselves or you know get them out of their rhythm you know out of their zone yeah that's a huge part of all competition especially poker and chess yeah man you're wise you're extremely wise my friend for someone a decade ago who would did you hang out on the monkey bars at recess were you more of a slide yeah. guy like what was I your actually, what I was actually your played soccer in elementary school it was really popular okay. um during recess in elementary yeah. school i was the i was the goalie <laughs> how'd you feel about being the goalie i loved it i don't know if I, I guess i'm fucking crazy i guess but yeah i really enjoyed it dude the goalie people underrate the the confidence you gotta have to be a goalie early on oh, man my God. yeah dude i mean look i'm i played soccer during recess in america so you know 
Americans are notoriously bad at soccer, so I I can't relate to you know even anyone that lives in any other country talking about soccer or whatever. But I totally know what you're talking about. Like, you know, you gotta be kind of weird to enjoy it, dude. And you're all alone. And as soon as you let one goal get through, like everybody on teams, like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, yeah, what's it's wrong, a wrap, dude? What's like, wrong with the other like what four defenders that were back here picking their noses, letting this dude get by y'all, right? Like. It's not about me all the time. Oh God, yeah. I it's funny because I teach, and then you, I'll see my daughter at recess, and like you can kind of tell when the kids are scared of being a goalie when the ball gets kicked, and they just kind of like curl up, and they're like forced to play, and then you can tell, and it's so different when the kid like eats up, thrives, wants to be the goalie, and he's diving or she's diving, hand stands for kicking balls. You're just like, wow, man. Love the yeah, energy. have you ever seen those? Have you ever seen those clips of like um, professional soccer players that are like the acrobatic? Like, there's different styles of being a soccer goalie, and one of the styles is like I don't know the correct proper term, but it's like acrobatic something. No, but it sounds and, like, amazing. They'll be, like, they'll be like doing like backflips to like kick a ball out and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I think that's how you should be, man. If you're gonna be the goalie, you gotta embrace it, especially in um, exhibitions. I would just be doing all – I would like be breakdancing as the people are coming and just busting out weird-ass moves trying to go viral. Yeah, it's cool. All sports right. are cool, man. Like I don't know. I understand how people can't – can't like sports, you know, because it's like you can really com- – it's like with all competition, you know, fighting games, chess, whatever, stock trading, you know, anything like that. It's like you can compare the – you can take the knowledge with you everywhere you know, yeah. playing sports or just watching them. You know, it's the same thing. Right. Man, well, YV, I am going to, and actually you might be the second person all time because I believe maybe you've made it through. Um, my day is going to start pretty early tomorrow and okay. I am going to end the podcast. Do you know what is coming next? No. Oh, then I believe you lied to me, my friend. I end the podcast with this. So get ready. Start thinking so of a little it was, story. It was a, it was a half lie because I didn't finish it, but I did listen to a good portion of that. <laughs> one. I, I want to check out more of it, though. Are to there? Be honest, I really did enjoy. I really do enjoy your stuff. Is it? I'm wondering now. Can a lie be a half lie? Is a lie well, not if absolute? You wanna, if you want to chalk it off as a liar, as chalk me off as a liar, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't telling the truth completely. So. No, it's more like philosophical. But anyway, for the sake of time, it I, is. I man, have that's, always, a, that's a rabbit hole to get into. That takes, so takes some time. So truth and lies. All right. So then you don't. So you will not be the second one. Shout out Kristen, episode twenty nine, the only guest who has been prepared for the end of the podcast. Oh man. Can I please, and again, have fun with it. Tell a story. Okay. It's supposed to be entertaining. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Again, sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Oh, you asked me this last time. See, I should have been prepared. (laughs) I knew I'd get you a second time. time. I I knew I was like, I knew it. Uh, Man, okay. Okay. Uh, and if you're looking for weird episodes, um, Antonio, I think it was number 57, his best first for last was losing his virginity 
to a cougar stripper in the parking lot of a KFC. That sounds hype. That's probably that's better than most people's virginity experiences. <laughs> Depends what you're looking for, but I was like, and my man was un, he wasn't underage for um sex. He was 18, but he was underage to be in the strip club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's expected. But man, you know, it was, losing your virginity, it's like it's never, it's never good. No one has a good time the first time, but that sounds pretty damn good. Apparently, Antonio did. Speaking. My man rocked it. Yeah, man, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> um. Okay, first or last. All the stuff I'm thinking of right now isn't that interesting. So I don't know if I have anything more interesting. <laughs> um, so at the skate park last year, I was at the skate park last summer, and this guy came up to me, and he was like, hey, man, like, sick board. Did you just get it? And I was setting up a new board, and he was like, I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. We started talking, and then somehow the conversation transitioned into talking about forex like forex markets like trading like you know eur usd like gpp usd you know whatever um and so this was the first time i almost got sold into a like pyramid scheme because he was trying to get me into something called iMarkets live which is uh it's basically this thing for Forex and the way that it works is that it's like you join this group of Forex people and everyone, anyone that gets you signed up, they get like a 20% cut of like your monthly pay, which is like something crazy, like $500 per month, like something ridiculous. And then they're, they're trying to get you to like get more people on the team to try to, you know, introduce and expose as many people to financial freedom as possible or however <laughs> way you want to string it right but it's it's like notoriously hated uh, for good reason um you know by pretty much everyone that isn't trying to get you onto their team so they can make residual income um but yeah it's basically some bullshit that's the i almost got scammed how is that even that like legal the pyramid scheme stock selling stuff so it's completely illegal. It's really just a marketing scheme, to be honest, because all that the all that they're really selling is like there's an uh, educational platform you get access to, and you also get access to this group chat full of like quote unquote successful traders, right? That uh, will teach you how to trade, and so you can like mirror trade them and you know make money or whatever. So it's like the what they're really trying to sell you is financial freedom and trying to get you to learn about forex so you can become an excellent trader and. You know, like, you know, be completely financially independent, you know, the American dream sort of thing. Um, but it's completely hated because it's all just a bunch of scam artists. So I'm never doing that again, but that got me into trading, which is pretty interesting. Oh, was that <laughs> like, like actually what sparked it? He came so to you I just... Had, I, had interested, I had interest in cryptocurrency like well before this, but just that whole... Thing, that whole experience like incentivized me got me interested to learn more about like how this shit actually works because um he i eventually i was really skeptical like for a very long time of like this is like no i don't know i don't believe in this like this sounds like a scam sounds like a pyramid scheme um and he so i was talking to him about it like on snapchat or whatever and he basically convinced me to come to one of their like group meetings oh man there's such good energy i bet oh is uh n n no <laughs> no but um 
So I went to the group meeting, right? And when I was going there, I knew like a little bit about trading, like not nearly as much as I knew now, but I knew a little bit. So I was looking forward to going and like learning more about Forex and like how it works and like seeing people analyze charts and explain what they're thinking and you know, whatever. I was looking forward to learning about it. And I went there and they like showed a chart briefly for like five seconds, but they spent the rest of the time just doing like the classic like YouTube advertisement, motivational, like buy my ebook type bullshit, which is just like, mm. here, I'm going to tell you how to get financial freedom. I can look at a chart and make money. I've been devoting my career to this, blah, blah, right. blah. You know, just selling the American dream, like type shit. Yeah, but really without great. any specifics, without any actual yeah, like you know, steps. Like, leaves a bad taste in your mouth type thing. But if you really paid attention, you would see that what they're really trying to do is get you to sign up so that they can get referral money. And then they want to get you to become passionate about it so that you can sell what they're selling to you to other people, just like with Avon makeup or, you know, whatever. It's all the same shit. So do you um, think this guy was like a, a stock, stockatory predator? <laughs> no, I mean, he was like 19. He was just like some 18, 19-year-old kid oh. that probably got bought into it. And he believed in it. Gotcha, you know, gotcha. So, to be honest, like I don't think he's a terrible person. You know, yeah. maybe he knew he was scamming me or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think he really just believed in the yeah, whole yeah. thing, and he was trying to one get residual income, but two, you know, try to expose people to financial freedom or you know whatever they were trying to get him to believe. But I remember telling him he was like, "So you after the speech we talked, and I was like, he was like, "So are you interested in doing this?" And I was like. No, this is a scam. Like, this is a waste <laughs> of my time. Like you completely wasted my time with this. I'm never coming back. Don't contact me. You know, it just pissed me off, right? Because I had to drive like half an hour to this thing. It was so bullshit. Like people showed up, not people that were like me, like showing up because they were interested. Showed up in like full suits, you know, right? Like, suitcase and all of that. Like people that you know, just trying to. You know, buying into the bullshit, you know, whatever. Like, there's no reason to wear a suit to that. Like, because they're trying to sell sell you something. Like, whatever. But it just pissed me off. So because I, like, after leaving that event, I kind of left the conclusion of, like, I'll, I can figure this shit out for myself. Like, I don't need to. It's against, like, not only my philosophy, but what I believe trading to be. To, like, be dependent on other people's ideas especially like a multi-level marketing scheme for something that's such a self-employable skill. So I was like, fuck all this. Like I can learn this myself. Um, so that's kind of what sparked like me being, you know, really getting into it and learning more about it. It's just a lot of my spite towards, uh, <laughs> towards that experience. I'm a spite investor. <laughs> I invest to spite those that try to hustle me. <laughs> Yeah, man, you know. Um, dude, I like it. Yeah, it, it's, that's my dude, first to last, you know. Nailed, nailed my it. My haters friend. are my motivators. <laughs> I be. My haters are my motivators. Dude, I love it. I'm so glad you got to come back on. I'm so glad we got to shoot the shit about chess. Did not expect us to talk that long about chess and fighting games. And though for some reason, it was strangely enjoyable to me. Well, like you've got, I'm glad you had a good time. Cause I did too. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm amazed that you're 22 and have these philosophies, man. I think you are going to live the American dream because it will be your dream. It will not be one that is forced upon you. I think you're going to kick ass and I'm definitely going to keep following you on Twitter so I can understand this chart shit because I am lost 
when it comes to every time people start putting these charts together and uh, showing trends and timing. I like I, I got to get out of the timing thing, I think. You know, trading is a lot. It's really complicated. Um, I really get it, but, you know, like I said, don't don't hesitate to reach out for any questions. Like you don't ever have to feel like, you know, you don't ask any there are no stupid questions as much as I hate that saying, but I really like helping people with this, you know. So don't hesitate to reach out to me for any reason. Uh twitter.com slash YD tweets. I like I like helping people learn how to trade and I like talking about trading. Talking about markets, I don't care if you're experienced or inexperienced, you know. But seriously, man, don't hesitate yeah. to reach out for any reason about it. I love talking about it. Yeah, man. No, clearly. And um, I forget. It's funny because that's how my mind works. That one time I asked you for a breakdown about one thing, speaking about being super vague. And you sent me, it was like almost like a thread, like a 10, 10 tweet thread or something. And I remember at the moment being like, oh man, that makes sense. But what happened is I'm like looking at it while I'm multitasking and you don't really get to let it like sink in to apply later. And I think that's kind of what's killing me is I just need to take an hour or two and actually like quietly study and think about it versus like a five minute flyover, you know, it's just yeah. weak, mentally weak on my part getting into it. But I do know that that breakdown as you were going, you were very explicit with it. And I was, I was impressed as how I was like, Oh wow. Like this dude, especially you don't want to be an ageist, but you're just like, man, as a young and this guy is intelligent, which uh, well, hey, man, I appreciate it. I'm still yeah. I'm still poor, so when my bank account starts to reflect starts to reflect what you just said, that's when I'll feel more satisfied. But yeah, I appreciate it, man. I really love trading, so right. I love talking to people too. So you know, again, thanks for putting me on. Nah, dude, thanks for letting me and all the listeners get to know you, man. I really appreciate it. Um, and you taking the time, dude. Have a good rest of your night, man. Hey, you too, bro. You too, brother. All, all right, right. No, take care. Yep. Thanks to YV for coming on the Getting to Know You pod, giving up so much of his time. Um, podcast, I think, actually spanned two months, maybe uh, six weeks, actually. Be sure to follow YV on Twitter. It is at YV Tweets. And you can check out some of his writing. He's uh, been on Medium as YV. The dude really enjoys passing along knowledge. And if you have questions about things, just hit him up, tweet at him. He will uh, definitely get back to you. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the Getting to Know You pod. Go to andrepsyche.com for some trippy merch that's going to be worth checking out. And if you haven't already, your good deed of the day, the sun is not down yet. Please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The word of the pod, let me make sure I enunciate it. The word of the pod is quant. Quant is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it on yours and you'll get a shout out on the very next podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. Just message us. Hasta luego.